Hello everybody, and welcome to Among Our Excited Movies, the show where we don't talk smack about movies, and we are going to celebrate one of the best movies of last year, the Academy Award winner for Best Animated Picture, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, in honor of it finally hitting Netflix, and the new Spider-Man film, Far From Home, coming out today. So that's all very exciting. And we originally recorded this episode with our comics-loving friend Wix back in February, towards the tail end of its theatrical release. And Wix went into a whole bunch of fascinating history for all the characters in the movie. So if you ever want to know the origins of Spider-Gwen, Spider-Ham, Penny Parker, we dig into all of that and more. But this Spider-Verse podcast is not the only podcast we recorded with Vix earlier this year. We recorded a ton of other awesome ad movies episodes with her and with some of our other friends. And those are all going to be available on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Mavericks. So if you like... This kind of episode, this kind of episode where we go into a lot of history of comics lore and what inspires these movies. Not only can you listen to this awesome episode on Spider-Verse and learn about all the comics history that went into this movie. You can learn about the history of Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers as a character, on our latest Patreon bonus pod, which is on Captain Marvel, which is an incredible discussion where Wix, very interestingly, she went into the movie, she went into the research before the movie, she was not a fan of Captain Marvel as a character, but she read up on her entire comics history and fell in love with her character, and so we discuss how the movie represents her, and if it actually represents what her character is all about. And it was a fascinating conversation, and you should all definitely check it out, but... Definitely look forward to that, and if you want to listen to that, you only got a pledge at the $5 tier on the Manga Mavericks Patreon for access to that and all of our awesome other bonus podcasts, including our That Time I Got Reincarnated as Yamcha episode and our Manga Fight on Monster Girls. All that and more. So definitely pledge at the $5 tier on the Manga Mavericks Patreon, and you can listen to that Captain Marvel episode. If you want some more podcast discussion on a comic book film and its comic history roots. But without further ado, why don't we swing right on in to our review, our episode on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Let's make the jump. Took a 
Hello everybody and welcome back to Mugrax at Movies, the show where we don't talk smack about movies, we celebrate them. And today we are celebrating an amazing film of day, clearly the best anime of 2018, the best movie of 2018. What about Brawly? It's even better than Brawly! You're because... going to get flamed for this. No, I think our audience will most definitely agree that the greatest film of 2018, even though neither me or we lord ranked it as the greatest film of 2018 on our Top Movies of 2018 episode, was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse! Best Animated Picture of 2018, baby! Oscar Woo! Academy approved! Finally, the Oscars have acknowledged truly a wordy film it's for the childish, best of the year. Though. It's a childish thing, and we should put it away. I really hated the way they introduced Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. I hated the way I they really hated. I re yeah, I really hated that quote they pulled. I really hated the way they presented it and say, oh, animations for children, but children's wonder, blah, 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 blah. It's like, I don't... Why? Technically, that why quote's are we ironic. Because, you know, it's, it's, it, um, it's, it's putting away childish things, but it's made by C.S. Lewis, who's saying you shouldn't put away childish things because it uses, it's uses, used to open the Chronicles of Narnia, which is stories he tells to his children. He says adults should enjoy this too and never lose their sense of wonder. So the Oscars, once again, are tone-deaf idiots who don't know what they're doing <laughs> oh and accidentally c accomplish things that are good sometimes. In spite of themselves, they chose the actual best anime feature of 2018. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Finally, Phil Lord and Miller are acknowledged for their comedy expertise, for their filmmaking. After being snubbed from not even having Lego Movie nominated when that came out, finally... They have one accolades, and the amazing team at Sony Pictures Animation have won an accolade for their amazing work on this film. They really do good work, it's just that they get stuck on crap movies usually, but this one is not crap! Hooray! <laughs> I'm so proud of Sony, they actually put something through that was great instead of being like, oh no, why not make another Hotel Transylvania instead of that? Or well, the Hotel Transylvania series is pretty decent. I mean, it's okay, it's just like, they, they snubbed a lot of movies in the past just to, for their... Uh, for their surefire hits like the Emoji Movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, wow, what a comeback after Emoji Movie just destroyed the, any goodwill towards their animated features. I mean, Total Transylvania 3 was like, well, it's not the Emoji Movie, it's pretty entertaining, but like, no one expected Sony Pictures Animation to deliver a film of such excellence as Spider-Verse. It was it um it had absolutely everything going against it. Nobody likes animation in the United States because it's for children. Everybody's tired of those Marvel movies and especially ones from Sony. This is coming off of um off of Sony's track record of Amazing Spider-Man one and two, which were critically panned. And yeah, and well, Venom did um did a uh, Venom did well commercially. It yeah. was a financial success, not a critical success. Yeah. Spider Verse is the first 
Sony Spider-Man film that is actually beloved. It's absolutely amazing. I am I'm really impressed they pulled off something that shouldn't have been possible, but they did it. It's Sony Pictures. They 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 have been putting out good stuff. Uh they they're doing one of the uh, one, an event uh, made by, of course, beloved, absolutely beloved Spider-Man writer Dan Slott, who wrote the entirety of the original Spider-Verse just to piss off fans. This is <laughs> this is starring Miles Morales, a character who has absolutely no personality whatsoever, and the only thing he usually does and has done for the past, what, seven years? How long has this guy been around? Has been, oh... Am I good enough to be Peter Benjamin Parker? And the answer is always no. Bring back Ultimate Peter Parker. Dear God, that he was a cool dude. <laughs> wow, not even regular Peter Parker, but Peter B. Parker he aspires to be. Yeah, well, I mean, Peter Parker's middle name's always been Benjamin. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like, he was 16 when he died in the Ultimate Universe. It was, it was damn sad. Oh, actually, I can give so I can give a little bit of backstory on how they... that is what we are counting on you to do, Vix. But before we proceed any further, the audience, the listeners, may be wondering why are you doing a Spider Verse podcast three months after the movie came out? Why are you reviewing a non-anime film? I thought you were not going to review films that weren't anime anymore. Well, listeners, shut up. I make the rules here. This is my podcast, and I'll talk about whatever movies I want. But also, Spider-Verse is very anime. Don't let the fact that it was not made in Japan fool you. It is pretty anime. It has an anime character in it, basically, in the form of Penny Parker. She's very anime. She is Spider-Man crossed with Evangelion. That's her origin. She's like Shinji Ikari and Peter Parker combined. Well, but not so much in the film, but that and Videl. She's yeah. very Videl in her first comic appearance, as in like like in terms of like her role in her own society and her character, as in I'm gonna kick your ass and you're gonna be happy about it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's good to be me. <laughs> I love her. She's great. Yeah, I hope to see more of her. You won't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can dream. We can really dream. But also... Jared Way, if you're listening, come back. I miss you. Please. (laughs) Stop writing that Umbrella Academy thing, even though I hear it's really good. Maybe incorporate Penny into Umbrella Academy somehow. I don't think Marvel will go for that, but sure! (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works, just give us more of that character. But anyways, listener, other reasons we are doing this podcast is to celebrate the aforementioned victory of Spider-Verse at the Oscars, where it won Best Animated Picture to the surprise of so many people, including Disney, who had made uh, things promoting Wreck-It Ralph... To Ralph Breaks the Internet as the best uh, picture winner for the year and had sent them out to Walmarts all across the nation oh, to, prom- to promote it as a, hey, 
Rob breaks in and then Best Picture winner, buy it. And it's like, oh no, these are horribly outdated now. We messed up. These are already in stores. People are taking pictures for them. How embarrassing. For your consideration, Ralph Breaks the Internet for Best Animated Feature. They posted a tweet to that effect. Everyone posted Spider-Verse images, shaming them. <laughs> and Sweet Justice was delivered when Spider-Verse won. Breaking Disney's victory streak. Disney's monopoly over this category at long last. Thank God. I I mean, I, lo I love Disney movies. Everybody loves Disney movies. It's just that none of the ones that have won Oscars actually deserved them, in my opinion. Big Hero 6. I'm well, still what about Coco? Okay, Coco definitely deserved it. Never mind, I forgot that that one actually existed <laughs> for five seconds and made me cry. Surely Up won too, didn't it? Oh, did it? How long ago was that? That would have to be ten years ago. <sighs> Old movies. God, it's been <laughs> ten years since Up came out. That's crazy. I remember watching it in theaters. Yeah, I mean... I think that a lot of them were very deserving. Uh, Spirited Away was deserving. Definitely. Distributed. Original Incredibles was great. Yeah, definitely. Wally, -E, Toy Story 3. You know, they make good movies that do deserve the Oscars, but there's also times where you have their movies nominated in this category and they lose to clearly superior, at least in my opinion, in some other people's opinions, superior movies like Big Hero 6 should not have won over Kayla Princess Kaguya. I personally don't think Frozen should have won over Wind Rises. The Wind Rises was absolutely fantastic. It was a brilliant film. I love it a lot. I think Kubo and the Two Strings was better than Zootopia, even though I did really enjoy Zootopia. So, you know, I feel that Disney just has a monopoly on this category, and clearly... It's from the watch. accounts of how the Academy votes, they vote for like what they have seen and they have a bias towards Disney because that's the, those are the movies that they have a tendency to actually see. And the Academy does not force them to watch all the movies, so they completely ignore movies sometimes. They don't watch them all before voting because they don't care about the category, which is very insulting. Uh, they are, um, to quote... Uh, um, the, uh, foreign movies are usually labeled under stupid Chinese fucking things. Uh, that's that a, <laughs> my, my favorite quote from a member of the Academy. Or they're just labeled as the other ones. Oh, my kid didn't want to see them, so we just didn't. Exactly. So, against all odds, Spider-Verse, which came out on December 14th, 2018, so late into the year was able to garner enough buzz and acclaim and interest to have enough of the Academy voted as the best animated picture at this year's Oscars. Which to me is just an astounding feat because before everyone was like Incredibles 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, those are probably going to be the ones that will win it because no one considered... It was seriously considering Isle of Dogs or Mirai because they're just too niche of films, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm so glad Spider-Verse won over Incredibles 2 and Rob Books Internet because those films are, quite frankly, in my opinion, very derivative and commercialized. Especially Rob Breaks Internet, which throws in so many pop culture references and pandering to 
internet and meme humor that it loses its emotional core, in my opinion. Not to mention the that they have to regress Ralph's character to even make the story work, which is incredibly annoying. Yeah. But, yeah, so the best film in the category won, and Spider-Verse is not only the best anime feature, but I think it should have been a contender for best picture because it was one of the best movies of last year. It's a piece of filmmaking. It was so incredibly innovative and it's earned a lot of acclaim to that respect. Multiple people consider this movie to be like something big, something that'll inspire animators and filmmakers for generations because I think it'll leave that much of an impact because of how unique the style of the film was and how ambitious it was in its animation and when, what it was trying to do and how almost flawlessly it pulls it all together. Yeah, it's um, the movie is absolutely an incredible feat in both animation and storytelling. Not only does it set up an... Um, it, it does what the Avengers sought out to do, as in get people interested in a larger universe. It tells that kind of story within one movie while also introducing a brand new character and focusing on his emotional growth and development. Uh, it, it's absolutely incredible. Just the... Um, the uh, uh, the amount of fine-tuning the storytelling must have had to be able to tell such a compelling story while also delivering such beautiful animation in this brand new style that I really don't think has been attempted before. I can't really name anything like it. I mean, well... I can. In terms of the powerhouse team of Lord and Miller's previous works, I think the Lego movie mm. achieved a similar effect in creating such a mem mesmerizing world full of Legos and bringing that role to life. And also having an incredibly large ensemble cast that was quite a fun and memorable group of characters that you enjoyed, while also still focusing on a central character's uh, emotional development. And I think Spider-Verse is even better than Lego Movie by quite a bit, but Lego Movie was a huge success and quite ambitious as well. And I think we can definitely see some of the lessons they've learned from that film in Spider-Verse. Yeah, I never actually considered that, and now it makes absolute sense, because a lot of them go through the same kind of character. Because um, Emmett, um, Emmett and Miles go through a similar kind of arc, not a ch in, a, in a sort of uh, chosen one-ish arc. Um, but I think that Spider-Verse does it a lot better, and this is also, of course, in spite of a lot, I, in what I feel anyways, and as we're slowly learning, a lot of the movie being cut, and a lot of the information to, uh, integral to how Miles' life developed, and how he became the person he is, and continues to be throughout the movie, being only in the background... It's it's incredible. I mean, if you and if you understand it, it's even cooler. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it is quite incredible that in spite of all the story edits and revisions, in spite of the number of cut scenes, the movie is still very easy to follow, and you get all the information you need to be emotionally gripped by the story. Yeah. So with that said, should I start expositing? Yes, indeed. The reason we are doing this podcast, the other reason, other, other reason, is that we have Wix here, who is a welt of comic book knowledge. 
And she will be able to impart on us the entire backstory, history of these characters, of this concept universe, to enrich us on how incredibly well made the film is in terms of taking from these histories and the backgrounds of these comics and using them in such a creative way. Yeah. All right. So let's get let's get one thing straight. So this mo- this movie is set in what's called the Marvel Ultimate Universe. There's there were two different Marvel universes. This is kind of th- this is gone now as of uh, 2016. But there were two Marvel universes. One was the regular universe that's been around since 1940 or so. Which is those are your your average the Avengers, the Defenders, blah 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 blah. Peter Parker, whatever. Um, the Ultimate Universe was created as a way to get new readers into comics in around the year 2002. Um, you, you would be able to see um, your favorite recognizable characters without the baggage of continuity and whatnot, and you'd be able to start fresh. It was a brand new start. Peter Parker, who had been married and was teaching college at the time, would be in high school again. Um, the Avengers would be back to the original core team of like Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain America... Um, the Hulk would be whatever the heck the Hulk was in the 60s. He's pretty cool. I like that guy. And the X-Men would be, you know, Charles Xavier at his school fighting against Magneto. It'd be just like the good old days. Oh, yeah, and the Fantastic Four would be there, too, because they were still a thing back then. Uh, give it, Wait until 2005, <laughs> and that's going to change completely. But... Um, unfortunately, what happened was a lot of the writers used it as an excuse to write very, very edgy, dark characters. Um, the, uh, the Avengers, in that universe called the Ultimates, were mostly only doing this for money and exposure. Um, Nick Fury was no longer a super awesome war hero, but Samuel Jackson as a masterful planner. The... So is this post uh, Samuel Jackson being No, cast? this is before. Okay. He was he was based on Samuel L. Jackson. So Nick Fury he, in the regular universe, he's a white World War 2 um World War 2 commando that mm-hmm. had his own squadron. He was like he was gung-ho. He would he'd ride into Hydra bases <laughs> while standing on a motorcycle, two Tommy guns in hand, blasting the hell out of Hitler and his Nazis with his crew. And he was cool as shit. And then you're like, okay, so in this universe, let's make him literally Samuel L. Jackson and pay him to and pay uh, to use his his likeness because oh wow, they actually not? paid. I believe so, but like he he's he literally looks just like Samuel L. Jackson and I even guess. talks they didn't like him. Think just to tweak it a little bit so they could get away with it. I I don't. It doesn't matter now because that's the one everybody <laughs> How much knows. Do they pay him? I don't freaking know. I. I'd imagine a lot. Mark. Did they base him off a specific character of Jackson's? Seems like... to be kind of based off of him in Pulp Fiction, with him okay. like being you know, prone to rage and whatnot, but kind of like a little bit of a schemer. I don't know. I wonder what kind of Nick Fury they would have made if they based him off Mr. Glass. Now that would have been fun, but uh, that's um, but the one shining thing in the Ultimate Universe was Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, written by Brian Michael Bendis, back before he went absolutely insane. This Spider-Man was a was a, a more contemporary, slow look at the original Spider-Man. No more was this, this was a creator-based character. This wasn't uh, Lee, Stan Lee, and Steve Ditko doing the Marvel method thing of Ditko making the plot 
and drawing everything, and Stan Lee filling in the blanks without calling Ditko because he didn't want to talk to that asshole, even though Ditko was a cool guy, <laughs> and lots of things getting lost in translation. This was like a slow, methodical look at the character of Peter Parker and what it really, really meant to um, uh, to just be the character of Spider-Man in high school and juggle the responsibilities. They also tweaked a few of the villains to make them a bit more... It just, it's like just taking them in different in uh, different ways and also integrate various parts of the Spider-Man universe. So instead of like the spider just being a random accident at Empire at Empire College, um, it was Norman Osborn who created the spider. He was oh. trying to create super soldiers, recreate the uh, super soldier project uh, that created Captain America. And the spider accidentally landed on Peter Parker one day. Uh, if you've seen the Spider-Man movie in 2000, uh, what was it, 2003 or something? You may have heard this one before. On a school trip um, at, to Oscorp, Peter Parker gets bitten by the spider, which escapes. And, his fr- and he and his friends Mary Jane's lives are transformed forever as Peter becomes the ultimate Spider-Man. Osborne, noticing that this has happened, because, you know, Osborne was a bit smarter in the Ultimate Universe, um, tries to inject himself with the same serum, fucks it up, becomes a raving gigantic monstrosity called the Green Goblin, murders his wife, and Harry Osborne's life, Harry Osborne next day at school is like, oh dear god, oh dear god, my dad's gonna kill me, my dad's gonna get me! He didn't report this to police? He did! Oh. The police could sh- couldn't stop this shit. Oh, they were, well. this, this, this rampaging lunatic that was on the hunt for Harry or Peter. They didn't know which. Um, well, he West went to school the next day? He didn't decide to go with the hiding or something? I, I don't know what the hell Harry was thinking. I'll have to reread <laughs> it, but uh, Harry I, goes to school the next day, and Peter's like, Are you okay, dude? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, God, he's going to get me. And then the Green Goblin just wrecks the school, and Peter Parker, who at this point had you know done the whole... Crusher Hogan thing where he, you know, where he had like shown off for money and then he, he and then done a bunch of dumb stuff. He, you know, he, he, he becomes superhero, you know, just he beats the Green Goblin, saves the day, <laughs> yells at his Uncle Ben. Uh, Uncle Ben dies the next day and he's like, oh shit, maybe I should have listened to my uncle. And Aunt May is like a really, really active, interesting character. And Peter reveals himself to Mary Jane like at like the first minute that um, the Spider-Man thing interrupts his personal life. He's, oh wow! They don't drag that out. Oh God, no, no! Like he, he's like, "Hey, want to go see a movie on Friday?" And she and and she's like, "Yeah." And then he finds out that uh, the Kingpin is doing a thing on Friday. He's like, oh, "I gotta break that up." Oh, make that Saturday. <laughs> and he gets beaten. The sh- he gets the shit beaten out of him by the Kingpin. So he's like, I- "I'm gonna break that because uh, reasons." And then the next week, he's like, "Okay, the reason I did that was because the Kingpin beat the shit out of me. I'm Spider Man." Hey. And then Aunt May, and then Aunt May's like hearing uh, um, Mary Jane going like, "Holy shit!" And then she's like, "You kids better not be fucking up there." Wow, did she actually say that? Well, no, she said no, hanky panky, uh. and then called Mary Jane's mom and is like, "All right, kids, break it the fuck up." Wow. But later, it was all smoothed out because. Peter Parker revealed that he was Spider-Man to Aunt May. 
Okay. And it was cool as hell. And it was like, and um, then he became friends with Kitty Pride of the X Men and started rooming with the Human Torch and Iceman. It was a really whoa. Cool. It's like Spider Man and his amazing friends. Ex- that's exactly what it was. It's what they called themselves. It was really cute. And then Gwen Stacy, who oh, was like Spider Man. What's friend. her name? Also appear. Uh, who is that other? One in that show. No, Firestar. No, Firestar? No, 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 Human Torch is Firestar now because ah, okay. Human Human Torch is hot. Yeah. I, I actually, well, Peter and uh, yeah, Human, Human Torch, Torch is hot and Iceman is cool. He's got a couple of great friends. <laughs> yeah, Human Torch and Spider-Man have always had like a thing in the comics. They've always had like a little rivalry, so it was kind of cute to see mm-hmm. them rooming together and being friends. And then Iceman, you know, Spider-Man's amazing friends. Gwen Stacy was there. She got killed by Carnage. Uh, but actually fused her DNA with Carnage or something and became Carnage. And oh, started, wow. And uh, Aunt May adopted her, and it was really cute. And she's like Peter's sister, and it was awesome. And then... Oh, my God. He has... So she becomes his stepsister. Yeah. Are there any Oni Chan shenanigans? Oh, God, no. Th- no, oh. thank... Thank no God. shenanigans, thank God. They're, um, they're just they're just completely platonic, and it's very very nice because Peter and Mary Jane from the get go are you know they're romantically involved. We got none of this Betty Brant, Liz Allen stuff, which was the result of a million different writers pulling Peter in a million different directions. God, Stanley was such a bitch to Betty. I, I feel bad for her because she was based off of Stanley's actual editor and Steve Ditko's friendship with her. Huh. Um, oh yeah, like there, there's a. If, you remember, if you've ever seen Spectacular Spider-Man and you're wondering why Peter was hitting on an older woman, that's because he did that in the comics and they actually started dating, but they were like closer in age and she was like a college student or whatever. Mm, and that's still a little iffy. It, it wasn't as iffy at the time. I know it was, but people were less for people were more forgiving. And they shouldn't have been. Yeah, it was, like, a little bit weird, but the way they played off each other, it was really interesting. Like, hey, there's Jonah, that asshole. And, and like, Peter would, like, sneak in, and and she'd be like, okay, so this is what's going on. And you'd scoop over here, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And then they'd, like, talk about their personal lives under the desk, and and Jonah would be like, where the fuck's my secretary? Get me a coffee! And he was based off of Stan Lee... So it was like the actual working relationship between Steve Ditko, Fabulous Flo, uh, which was Stanley's secretary, and Stanley himself, and it was really adorable. And then, and then Ditko and Lee started fighting, and then Betty became, and then, and then Betty became, uh, oh, I'm such a weak woman. Aww. And then Peter Parker, out of the blue, when the when Ditko left, was like, what the fuck did I ever see in Betty? <laughs> she's a loser. But we can still be friends. And then she's just slowly disappeared from the comic. Wow. Rest in peace, Betty. Character assassination. That sounds worse than Yamcha. God, actually, though, I mean, I mean, at least she was related to plot. She married plot important character Ned Leeds, who <laughs> later became not plot important, but that's another thing. Anyway, Ultimate Universe. So, well, I have a question before you go further. So, the number forty-two is a recurring motif in the opening credits of Spider Verse, and it's on the back of the spider. It's heavily implied that there's some sort of chemical alteration to that spider that bites Miles Morales that causes him to transform into Spider-Man, but also that's tied somehow to Peter Parker's origin. So do you know the significance of that number and in Spider-Man's origin? Is oh, there? well, in the Ultimate Universe, n- yes, but not to Peter Parker. 
um, in the Ultimate Universe, in all the movies, it's just a spider that has uh, two spots on the back. That's it. However, okay, so let me get to death of Peter Parker and what the fuck's going on with Osborn, because this is related to Osborn, because everything's related <laughs> to Norman Osborn, the asshole who, who, who cured cancer and weaponized it to kill Deadpool, because he's just that much of an asshole. Wow. Yeah, he's a, he's a piece of work, so... Pettier than Lex Luthor. Really, though? <laughs> um, because nothing can be happy in the Ultimate Universe. Well, in the background of the Ultimate Universe, well, you know, Spider-Man's being all happy, and this is like a happier version of Peter's life, and the Parker luck doesn't really exist that much. Peter's 16 years old, and what's going on in the background is, I don't know, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are fucking, um... Uh, Magneto destroys the entirety of New York in an event called Ultimatum um, because he shifted the magnetic poles, which doesn't have anything to do with tides, but, you know, watch Linkara's review for that rant. Um, All this shit was happening. Oh, yeah, mutants all got put in death camps, every single one. Like, uh, is this the beginning of them trying to phase out mutants so they promote inhumans? No, this was in 2011. So this is like when the X-Men movies were still popular and they were still selling toys and they didn't want to push the inhumans yet. So this is before they decided, you know what, screw Fox and them having X-Men. We want the Moon Ace. We're going to make it so everyone hates the X-Men, and yeah. the, makes it so that the Inhumans will be the new X-Men that we, Disney Marvel, can own and make movies and shows of. That'll be more popular than X-Men. Oh, Sabotage our own franchises. Haha, <laughs> they did that with Fantastic Corporate pettiness. That has backfired because now Disney owns Fox and <laughs> the brands of both the X-Men and Fantastic Four have been sullied. Oh no, Dark Phoenix. It, they're just going out with such a bang. It's going to totally revive interest in the oh, X-Men no. like a phoenix. The X-Men will be reborn, Vix. <laughs> just, to, just do the Claremont arc. Just do, just do Chris Claremont. You know, it's so easy. You, you can't fuck it up, but you are. You, I hate this. What do you think of that Dark Phoenix trailer, Vix? Uh, do you think that they're actually going to kill off Mystique? How do you like Mystique makeup in the movie. How the fuck did they make something look worse than a movie from the 2000s? <laughs> uh, you have to really, really try to make... And you're Disney! You're fucking Disney! Do you know how much makeup money you guys have? A lot. That's the answer's a lot. Thanos. Remember Thanos? Thanos looked pretty. Why couldn't you make Mystique look pretty? God, you guys suck. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk about something that's less... That's less shitty, but happy. It's it's still shitty, but hmm. Ultimate Universe X Men um got rounded up, and well, all the mutants were like by order of the United States government because it, um Marvel citizens are even worse in the Ultimate Universe than regular Marvel citizens. They all got rounded up and they were put into concentration camps by order of the United States government, and basically all killed. It, it, Iceman got away because he was living in the happy universe of Ultimate Spider-Man, where usually bad things don't happen. But now they do, because 
fuck you for having happy things. It's a shared universe. Yeah. It affects everyone. Like, they even managed to make the ultimatum thing actually pretty good by having J. Jonah Jameson think that Spider-Man was dead and realizing that he actually really liked this guy all along and figured out that he was Peter Parker and it was... Uh, well, this is this is actually no, that, that, that's later, but um, he, but like started supporting Spider Man, and they became like partners in crime, and it was really really cute and fun, and there was like some character development. So, all the shittiness of the Ultimate Universe was just Spider Man was able to get through it all for 155 issues, and and in one, issue 154, things the status quo was changed like almost forever because J Jonah Jameson found out that Peter Parker was Spider-Man and offered him his job back at the Daily Bugle, no questions asked, said, you know what, you as Spider-Man, you're going to get me some good-ass scoops and we're going to be a <laughs> team and this is going to be the best thing ever. And then Peter's like, yeah, and it was his 16th birthday and and it was going to be a great time and um, him and Mary Jane started dating again and Kitty Pride was there and it was all it was all super fun. Things are looking up for old Peter Parker. What could go wrong? <laughs> Literally the next issue called The Death of Peter Parker Part 1. <laughs> because nothing can be happy. There was some other big event, and um, I guess all of the all of the superheroes were fighting because fuck you, and because of that, all of Spider-Man's rogue gallery escaped, including Norman Osborn, who's always been there to fuck shit up. <laughs> and he decided, and since he knows Peter Parker is you know Spider-Man, and he has since the beginning, he's like, all right, we're gonna fuck this guy's shit up. We're gonna we're gonna go to his house and fuck him up. And Peter Parker was who's like um, who was trying to become an, an Ultimate at the time, not an Avenger. An Ultimate. What's um, the difference? Uh, Ultimate is Ultimates are the Ultimate Universe is Avengers. And was, so they don't have Avengers. No, in the they other have universe. The they're ultimate. called Ultimates, and they're stupid. And Tony Stark's always drinking. And the only <laughs> decent character is Captain America, but he's still an asshole constantly, and he's the reason Peter Parker actually dies. Oh, um, wow. He tells Peter Parker that he's not ready. And that he can't be an Avenger, and um, and then Peter Parker follows him when um, when he's called when Captain America's called to take care of some thing, and takes a bullet for him by the Punisher, and nobody helps him. He's just left to die on the Brooklyn Bridge, and he goes and he, and he gets to his house, and then suddenly all of his the bad guys ever are there, and he's like, oh. Oh, fuck. What did they do to Aunt May? Nothing yet. But Aunt May's gonna do some shit to them! Because this is an awesome story and kind of a good send-off for Peter Parker because the entire friendly neighborhood comes out and they're like, All right, you bitch, you ain't hitting Spider-Man. This is gonna be awesome. And Human Torch and Iceman just beat the shit out of them. And then Aunt May was was told to get away by... um, by Peter, and so he, so she and Gwen Stacy were out of town, and then she's like, no, you know what, I see some shit going on in Queens, I'm gonna turn back, we're gonna help him. And then Gwen Stacy's, like, trying to, like, fight the bad guys, and Electro's about to kill Spider-Man, but then Aunt May's got a shotgun, and she's like, hands off, wow. my nephew! And then Mary Jane sees what's going on, and she hijacks a truck, and then before the Green Goblin can kill Spider-Man, she rams an entire truck wow. into him, and then Peter Parker delivers the death blow to Norman Osborn, and then he sadly succumbs to his injuries and dies. 
and he's given a very, very sad, emotional send-off, which is constantly interrupted by annoying things from other things in the Ultimate Universe, because this was a big event comic, so we need to have all of it condensed into one series, so the emotional death of Peter Parker that everybody in New York came to see... They were all assholes about it, too, because it's New York, fuck you. Um, it was interspersed with um, uh, uh, Quicksilver fucking a girl, and then the girl turning out to be the Scarlet Witch. And then he's like, oh, Wanda, I love you. But it wasn't the Scarlet Witch or something. And... Wait, I thought Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were brother and Yes. Sister. This is the Ultimate Universe. They're fucking. They've been okay. fucking since the beginning. They're, they're Lannisters, huh? Yeah, they're the Lannisters, and it's disgusting. Ah. And there was just a bunch of dumb shit going on, but that is, that, that's, that's the death of Peter Parker, and he was, ah. it was a sad time. But now, Norman Osborn's apparently still alive. I don't remember how that happened. It wasn't really explained. But he is trying to fix his experiment and fix himself. So, he does a number of experiments, and the experiment that seems to succeed is spider number 42, which he writes oh, on the back. Oh. And a dude, a dude in a Deadpool mask that's purple, who is known as the Prowler, <laughs> he doesn't have any, like, special things about him. Nobody knows why he's called the Prowler. He's literally just a thief. He's got nothing. Well, he's on the prowl every night. That's why oh, he's on the prowler. Exactly. I don't even know why the hell he has a mask or, like, a, a costume. He's got a costume for some reason, but he just... Maybe he just really is inspired by Deadpool. And he's like, yeah. I look up to you. I will emulate you. He's like Spinner in My Hero Academia and how he dresses exactly like Stain. Exactly, because that's just what we really needed at this point <laughs> in time. And he... And... and and he accidentally steals the spider when trying to steal some tech from Oscorp. And we cut to Latino, African-American, Miles Morales, who's been deeply affected by the death of the Peter Parker or something. I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember how the sequence of events goes, even though I read it yesterday. When is he introduced? Is this the first time he's introduced yes. or what so like him his origin story is the first time we see him yes and they cut um and even though this is all written by the same guy Brian Michael Bendis he retroactively inserts miles into scenes later um in miles's own book retcons yeah he just retcons miles story. he's like oh he was here the whole time you just didn't see him it's a real lion king one and a half exactly it's <laughs> it's it's not very good so miles um he is just about to get into a super elite academy called the empire visions academy and his number in the... That's different from the film, right? In the film it was like New Visions? Was no, it? it was Empire Visions Academy, okay. a, a subsidiary of Empire College, the one Peter Parker went to in the original universe. Okay. But in this universe, he died when he was 16, so that's not happening anytime <laughs> soon. You're not going to college, bitch, you're dead! Um, he, he, he's... Um, and his parents, who are very kind of... Oddly, un, um, they, they don't seem to really value their child's abilities much. Um, or like, it's just a lottery. This is your only chance to get in, but it's just a lottery, so don't feel bad if you don't get in. Because apparently there's like no entrance exam or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Miles' is number in the lottery that they're having to get into the school, number it... 42, ah. comes up and he gets to go to Empire Visions Academy. 
and it's pretty cool. And his dad is really racist against mutants for some reason. And I'm... wow, black people performing racism. Great, yeah. my favorite trope. Wow, what a great uh, statement you're making. Oh, wow, black people can be racist, too. This is saying something. It's just really, it's just so insightful. Also, his dad's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, not a cop. Okay. Uh, this, this is just because we need everybody's parents to be super special awesome. Like, Peter's parents, they have the FBI agents. Uh, Miles' parents, X-Shield. Aw, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is super awesome. And Miles... Was he involved in any major stories? Or, like, retroactively, did they say he was involved in anything major? I don't know. I, no, I don't think so. He's just kind of just says he's a, he was an ex-Shield agent or whatever, and okay. that's why Fury is involved in Miles' life or something, but originally wow. it's because Nick Fury felt really, really bad about what happened to Peter and really, really loved Peter like a son. And oh. and it was it's actually really cute, um, Fury's relationship with Peter Parker. There's like a thing later where the or, um, original universe Spider-Man comes and uh, Nick Fury's like, this is my chance to finally... Uh, make things right. Do do things. Um, do things for Peter that I've never that I was never able to do when he was alive. And then Peter, who in the original universe, he's like a what thirty years old at this point. He's like, yeah, <laughs> all right then, Fury. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You're weird. You know that's some weird shit. But anyway, so Miles goes to his uncle Aaron's place. If you've seen Spider-Verse, this is, this, we're not skipping any scenes here, this is just, he just goes there afterwards, and, because he feels kind of bad, and doesn't want to go to the new school. Okay. Um, but he does. So is there any scenes in the comic where he attempts to sabotage his place in the school by failing tests and not doing well in the classes? No, he just kind of accepts it. Okay. Um, it doesn't even show his neighborhood, like, his life beforehand, we don't see no any of his... No establishing? No establishing. None of his schoolmates know nothing. The most that we get is exposition about his dad's... About, like, why his dad wants him to go to the academy and why dad won't let him see Uncle Aaron. And he has to sneak into Uncle Aaron's apartment. Um, it, it's just that uh, um, his dad used to steal things with Aaron occasionally um, when they were kids and didn't know any better because they grew up on the streets. That's carried across in Spider-Verse. Yeah, so it's nothing you don't know from Spider-Verse. It's just kind of explained and then... Though not in stealing specifically, but graffiti art. Yeah. Um, it was just like shady dealing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and then later Miles has a conversation with his mom, which is just the same thing. Also, his mom is... Not Latino at all. Like she's she doesn't she doesn't like um, Miles and her don't have like don't talk in Spanish to each other at all. Hmm. She's just wife character. What is her ethnicity? She's still Latino, but she doesn't like do anything Latino. There's nothing Latino about any of them, which I loved in the movie because that's something that um, I my uncle is Latino, um, and uh, that's something that he does with uh, with uh, with his with his son all the time like um and that my aunt does with them because you know they're that they just they, they just uh intersperse uh spanish with english and mm-hmm. i do also and and it's really really cute and nice and i love it and i loved how they did that in the movie with uh miles like establishing both his eth- ethnicity and connection with that community 
and what um and like that his mom was uh was in touch with his her Spanish roots and that was really cool and yeah it feels like it's more grounded in the in a world a world we can actually recognize people that we actually know relationships that we've actually seen especially in a place like New York which is like a huge cultural melting pot where um, uh, where gangs and uh, where gangs and relationships are formed on the basis of ethnicity, it, especially in, like lower income areas like Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, got you sweaty Italian guys Fall saying, out of "I'm West walking side story. here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking here. It's great." <laughs> but, um, and it's it's just nowhere to be found in the comic. Oh yeah, and Uncle Aaron's uh, um, connection with Miles isn't like the one place where he can be safe and, you know, have his art or something and not be judged. It's just a place where he watched TV occasionally and he's, like, talking. Wow. Yeah. And well, Anything interesting they watch together? Any any show in particular they bond over? No, he just, he just watches TV on the couch, which is what he's doing when the spider bites him. Oh, well, just, that's it, huh? That's, that's a setup. He's, How did the spider get into Uncle Aaron's room? It's just, he, he accidentally carried it from Oscorp in a oh. bag. That's it. That's that's all. Uh, that, that that's literally all. That's the only significance of the spider. So, what's the significance of forty two aside from the fact that the forty it was the forty second experiment, and Miles's uh, test was forty two. Like, what? Where did the number come from? How did Bendis choose that number? Probably was reading the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Honestly, there's really no explanation for what the number 42 means and why it's in there and why it's Miles' lucky number. Spider-Verse, in the background anyways, actually has a very, very good explanation for it, mm. which I'll get into, but it's dumb. Oh yeah, and the, so then Miles, then stuff happens, Miles starts like realizing that weird shit's happening to him, because with these weird headaches of spider things... And he's got a roommate, and his name's Ganky Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a cool guy. Ganky Lee's is uh, Ned Leeds from Spider-Man: Homecoming, <laughs> except in a Frogman shirt or a Howard the Duck shirt. D- depends on the day. I am definitely okay with that. He's he's a he's a good boy. Um, he's like, whoa, dude, you're a mutant. And, and Miles is like, oh no, my dad hates mutants. Oh no, I'm going to be put in a concentration camp. Oh, this is terrible. I mean, yeah, it is terrible if you're put in a concentration camp. No conflict actually arises from this, so it's Uh, stupid. Because later that night, Genki apparently figures out, oh, you you must be the new Spider-Man, and you have and you have the ability to turn invisible, and you have electric powers like a spider. Uh, that uh, using its spider venom. Wow. Wow, that seems like a leap. Like so. For one thing, how do they determine that being Spider-Man is an inherited position that transfers after the original Spider-Man's death? How does this work on, like, One Piece logic, where the user of a devil fruit dies, that fruit is reborn and someone else can eat it and inherit the powers? Like, how do they... Well, technically, Peter's not dead yet. He'll He'll be dead in, like... He'll be dead the next day, but he'll, he's not dead yet. So he's like, oh, shit, you're just like Spider-Man. You should go talk to him. And then so Miles goes and tries to talk to Peter. And then, oh, just the moment he gets to Peter's house, oh, Peter dies. Oh, no, he was so there at the death. Peter, so Peter was just on his deathbed this whole time. Yeah. And is alive just long enough for Miles to visit him and die. 
Uh, Miles doesn't even visit him. He's just like peering out from between the houses. Like, wow. And then Miles goes to his funeral with Ganky and then tries to talk to Gwen, Stacy, and then Gwen's like, and then Gwen gives him a whole expositional speech that wasn't there in the beginning, and she's like, "Ah, f- great power comes great responsibility." He of did, course, he did that. this, he did this and this and this and this and this and this, and then he's then, then Miles is like, "Wow, that is so cool." And then Miles tries to like take down a thug or two, and then gets kidnapped by Shield, and then Shield is like, "Hey, you know what? I have a, I we got a debt to Peter Parker." And it, there's actually kind of a touching scene with Nick Fury being like, you know, I want to support you in any way that I can because I wasn't there enough for the original Peter. Here, have a costume. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's how he gets his costume. He just gets it from S.H.I.E.L.D. Wait, so S.H.I.E.L.D. just trusts this kid that just because he has similar powers? Yes. And... Peter Parker's funeral was, like, open to the public? Yes, it was open to the public, and they were assholes about it. Okay. But, like, the church, like inside the church, it's the same church from the Spider-Verse thing, actually. Yeah. That was, that was, I thought that was a cool touch. Like, church's family only outside of it was, like... I'm gonna call them hecklers, because that's all they did. <laughs> they just wow. heckled. Not a mourning crowd like in Spider-Verse, all wearing Spider-Man masks and, like, being very sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was just like, oh, he's a fucking menace. Whatever, it's, um, we're glad he's dead. Oh, we miss you, Spider-Man. Oh, we're glad he's dead. Oh, we miss you. They really should have vetted who attended this. They... It sounded like a disaster. Yeah, I know. Gwen was, uh, like, I understood why Gwen snapped at Miles at the beginning, because I'm like, oh, dear God, she's been ha- she's been assaulted all from all sides all day. And then, like, oh, then this person's like, Yo, like, why, why did he do it? Why did he wear the mask? And then she's like, you know, you know why he wore the goddamn mask? You know why he did this shit? And blah, 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 And I was like, oh. So how old is Miles Morales at this point? He's a sixth grader. He's a sixth grader, so he's, how he, much younger is he than Peter Parker? Oh, uh, a lot younger. He's very young. He acts like an elementary schooler, honestly. Okay. He's very, very, like, he's uh, he's very, very dependent on his parents and everybody around him. He's not a very, de- he's not a, he's not independent in the slightest. He's very, very short and young. So I'd place him at around 11 years old, probably. So that'd and be... Peter Parker was 16. Yeah, so he's five years younger, younger than Peter. God, why the, why the hell did S.H.I.E.L.D. give, give this child... Yeah, they trust an 11-year-old with very... Uh, dangerous technology? Because why not? Also, the web shooters are organic in this universe because okay. reasons? I don't remember why. But Miles' web shooters are organic. And I, I don't remember how he starts to use them, but he uses them. I think Spider-Woman found them or something. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit. It was Spider-Woman in the There was a Spider-Woman. I don't even remember her name because she's not even in anything except for, like, the Avengers or something. Okay. I don't, I don't give a shit about her. I just give a shit about Spider-Man. <laughs> I, uh, Spider-Man and his supporting cast, they're great. Uh, M- MJ was Spider-Woman for a while. That was pretty cool, but mm. not... I don't, I don't know who this girl was. She's got, like, a ponytail or something. Miles' Miles's uncle figures out what this new Spider-Man was him because, like, he had stolen some shit from Oscorp and the spider was lying around and 
whatever, and is like... Miles stole shit from Oscorp? No, like uh, Aaron, Aaron, oh. Aaron stole some shit from Oscorp. How did Miles find that out, though? He didn't. Okay. Because uh, Aaron found out that Miles was the Spider-Man. Okay. And uh, in this universe, um, Aaron, uh, as the Prowler, just gets um, old super hand-me-down supervillain technology from people like the Shocker or whatever, so he's a thing, gets in trouble with a mob boss, and is like, you know what? I could blackmail my nephew into helping me, because I'm a great person! And is like, yo, I will show you how to become superhero, wow. and we can work together as father and son and conquer the <laughs> galaxy! And Miles is like, no. And then then Aaron is like, I will tell your dad, and he's uh... gonna put you in a concentration camp, because you're a damn mutie. Miles is like, I'm not a mutant, but okay. And He's really cruel to his 11-year-old nephew. And doesn't even blackmail him with anything good because Miles isn't a mutant. And also, why would his dad even listen to Aaron in the first place? Because in this universe, they still hate each other. And th- and, um, and uh, Miles' dad... Maybe is counting on the fact that his dad hates mutants even more. And his love for Miles. Wow, wow, you know, that's really, it's really, really deep. Racist black people, that's, wow. mm, that's some good shit. And then, uh, Aaron, um, just. Such a woke white guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kill Bendis. It's... Oh, fuck Bendis. And, and, and so Genki and, um, Genki and, uh, Miles, uh, keep having to sneak out and do shit, and Genki doesn't really do anything except try to cover for Miles. And this is like, they're treated like elementary schoolers, so I don't know how the hell Miles gets away with it, because their rooms are, like, constantly checked, because, like, they're making sure that other people's kids are there. They don't trust them. They're like, um, and they have a third roommate, too. I don't even remember his name. He's just kind of there. Hmm. And Miles is sneaking out to do errands for Uncle Aaron, and Aaron is in, gets deeper and deeper in trouble with the mob. And it's really stupid. <laughs> and then eventually this all accumulates with Miles and Uncle Aaron fighting because of reasons. And Uncle Aaron has the has uh, the shockers, wrist propulsion things. And when they're fighting, uh, Miles accidentally throws a gas truck at him. And Aaron blasts it with his shocker thing and it blows him up. And he's like, oh, you're just like me. And then he dies. And that's Uncle Aaron's death. He's exploded it by Miles. Kind of, not really. Wow, that sounds... Like, in the movie, I thought that Prowler was quite intimidating. And, you know, he has that great mutus sting where it's like a... Like a scream that's just so scary. And you always feel the danger that, oh my god, this guy is coming after Miles. He's going to kill Miles. And then you have just this horrifying reveal towards the end of the movie where, oh my gosh. Like, Miles goes to Aaron's room and he's like, Uncle Aaron, I'm at my lowest point. I need a mentor figure to help me. Please. And then, you know, Prowler comes in the room and Prowler takes off the mess and, you know what, I'll kill that kid for you, Kingpin, because I'm a cold-blooded killer. And Miles is like, oh my god, my, the only person, like, I can trust, like, I is trying to kill me is just devastating. And then, you know, he has to fight him and then, like, Uncle Aaron is like, when he reveals, sees that Miles... Is Spider-Man, he's like, no. And then he's like, 
he can't go through with it, and then he gets shot by King Ben. It's like, man, so satisfying, that villain and the character arc and the relationship. And then everything you just described to me sounds very disappointing. Oh, it's and so very tedious. It's just... It's so disappointing. Oh, and I, I have to mention, the layouts and art for this are absolutely terrible. So sometimes <laughs> there'll just be gigantic jumps in time, and there won't be, like, an establishing box, and I'll be like, what the fuck just happened? And I'll be rereading this, and I'm like, did I miss something? And then, <laughs> oh no, these characters are just here. Um, and there's not an establishing shot, and they're talking about something completely different, so I thought, and they, but they didn't finish what they were doing beforehand, so I'm like... This was, must have been written very, very fast. What is this? There's no editing or anything. So, wow. in addition to being boring, tedious, and kind of infuriating, it's confusing. Would you say that Aaron is a completely different character in the Spider-Verse film than he was in the original comics? Oh, and yes, and he, they really, really got down the idea of the duality between Miles' dad and Uncle Aaron, because... Aaron, while being a free spirit, at the same time embraced the, um, did that at the cost of his morality, and he sinks deeper and deeper into this hole, try, um, thinking that he can separate himself from, the, uh, uh, separate his home life from his work, when, and when the two collide, it absolutely shatters him. He realizes that he's become something that is something that he absolutely despises he it, it, the one of the people the only person who believes in him somebody that he loves is staring he's him hurting the, him yeah he, and he, he he puts the mask back he's like i don't want anything to happen to this kid and he's like i and, and, he, and it looks like he's trying to say something like he he doesn't believe this is happening he gets shot in the back he's it's just absolutely devastating because this man like, you see it earlier in the film that he isn't, in, he's a good uncle, like, he's kind to Miles, he's a mentor figure to Miles, he's clearly someone that Miles can tr trust to vent his feelings and be comfortable around in a way that he can't with his own dad, but he is working for the Kingman, he has no qualms about killing children when he realizes, when he doesn't think it is Miles, so... He's he is like someone deep in the criminal underground, and like he is like a murderer and a and like someone who is a criminal. But like you understand that like he's still human, and he still loves like Miles and his family, <laughs> and it's like there and that. So there is humanity in him that like you know comes to the surface when he's like, oh my gosh, I'm hurting. My nephew, the one person who, like, is still... Uh, my The one family member who, like, is still in my life. And who still cares about me. And it's, uh, you know... Yeah. It's just... It's such a satisfying, like, villain arc. Because, like, you understand and empathize with the character. But even though you, you know that what everything the character is doing is wrong... But you can feel satisfied by the fact that, like, the character, like, makes the right decision, but pays for it with his life. And it's good that he dies because that fosters Miles' growth, but also uh, it avoids the problem of him, you know, being alive, having to, like, live with the consequences and all that stuff, all these unanswered question things. But Which could definitely be a movie in of itself, of yeah. him paying his debt to society and reconnecting with everybody and trying to get over the fact that he 
that he became a cold-blooded child murderer and yeah. having to live with that for the rest of his life. But that's a little messy in the context of, like, this film, like, trying to make it, like, satisfyingly self-contained. And also, uh, for, like, a Marvel film that is supposed to be for family audiences, that might have been, like, something. Yeah. That it, would be too difficult for them to do. And his arc was great, and my sister loved it. And yeah. my, um, I remember my sister turned to me at this moment and was like, we, we I'm so glad we didn't take mom to see this movie, because she would be sobbing right now. And oh, wow. Because my mom just sobs at these kinds of emotional movies. It was a great emotional arc, and mm, God, he's just so good and then it, it, it um and then that punctuated with um uh with miles with mr morales's reaction to the whole thing and his emotional response to it just just, just um just like oh he realizes that it, aaron's own life le- uh, like life of crime led to this point mm-hmm. but he's blaming everything around him and he blames the, uh, I mean, and he blames this this spider-man kid he's like he doesn't think about just I want everybody on this kid, and then he realizes what he's done later and tries to reconvene with Miles, and he's like, I, 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 I've lost somebody very close to I really don't want you to go down that path. Please don't go down that path. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful, really understandable family relationship, and it's nice that Miles' mom is an actual character in, in yeah. there, and that their house is actually a thing, but... Like, this yeah. film is rooted in just great... I mean, great emotional core in terms of the relationship between Miles and his family, both like his biological family and the family of Spider-Men he becomes a part of. Yeah, which that was always a part of the original Ultimate Miles. That was a big, that, that's his kind of big thing because he, he has parents that are alive and living and he sees them constantly but he's also living in the shadow of spider people, and he has this spider family in Aunt May and Gwen and a few other characters from Peter Parker's supporting cast that he goes to occasionally and talks to, which could be interesting if Miles wasn't such a nobody-nothing of a character that was just reactionary to what was around him rather than a character that caused things to happen or a character that had his own goals and purposes in life because he really has no motivation whatsoever. So one of the biggest complaints that seems to everybody, including me, seems to have is the supporting cast is great, the character is stupid. Mm. And it's mostly the surviving supporting cast of the original book plus Genki. It was so good. He's in. He's Ned Leeds now. He's he's in the. He's in, he he uh, he ch- he changed his name to uh, Betty Brant's husband, and is now a character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's snuck his way over. Good job, Genki. <laughs> I love you, dude. Um, he's in. He's in Spider Verse too, but it's a. It's, it's a little secret. It's a secret surprise that'll help us later. Well, I mean, it's maybe not so secret. It's just like. He's a character that we see is just not named or has any speaking lines. Yeah, and they just have the little fist bump with best buds, and then yeah. Phil Lord said later, "Oh yeah, that was Ganky. Just didn't want to bog down the movie, but that was that was Ganky. Always meant to be Ganky. He's 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 a dork. I love him. Yeah, it's probably good that they didn't explore that relationship in this movie because 
too many characters around Miles might have been a little hard to juggle. Mm-hmm. I and think they got the core relationships that Miles needed down. His relationship with Uncle Aaron, his relationship with his father, and his relationship with Peter B. Parker and Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. And the and the other various characters they encountered. Spider Verse, Spider Verse's opening is uh, just the, uh, well. First, the opening credits themselves, but the opening scene in, on the topic of family is just absolutely great in establishing this is the setting. This isn't Queens, where you know Peter Parker lives with his doddering aunt May, and everything's kind of a little bit upper class, but not entirely because. They, um, because even though they had money at one point, they don't anymore, and they're just they they have they live a middle class life, tottering on the edge. It shows that this is Brooklyn. These are the mean streets. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly a bad place to live, but it's definitely not the best place to live. The people yeah. around him are very very ethnic and into their own communities. Might be in gangs. Who knows? The schools have chain link fences, and there's graffiti everywhere. And Miles's parents are very very worried about their son's own future and what he gets into on the streets and think that and have wonderful expectations for him because they don't want him to live the life that they've led in the um even though they live in a pretty nice place for New York. I mean, Miles's father is doing pretty well for himself. He's a seems to be a good police officer. Yeah, it's just that they grew they obviously it it's implied for the movie that they grew up in lower class communities, but yeah. they are in the middle class now, and by golly, they're going to make sure their son stays there and does even better than them, because they do mostly blue-collar work. Though yeah, we don't I mean, know they what definitely models. had to struggle to get where they are, and the contrast between, like, where they ended up and Uncle Aaron makes it evident that, yeah, like, they they chose a path that was hard, but, like, was righteous, whereas Aaron didn't, and he is forced to work in the chemical underground. Mm-hmm. He took a shortcut, which... Yeah. He, he took a shortcut to his nice pad, whereas, his, whereas Miles' parents um, uh, st- stuck to the straight and narrow, but somewhere along the way lost their individuality and I their artistic want... expression. Well, well, maybe they're, they're set, like... I, I feel like more... Miles' father, you could say. Yeah, not his mom. His mom is really good. His mom is very empathetic. Like, when Miles is coming home after having witnessed Peter Parker's dad, he's like, you know, can I stay here at home? Like, that his dad is like, well, you made a commitment to school. The mom is like, no, of course you can. And he's telling the dad, like, Miles is scared. Like, something is bothering him. So, you know, I think the mom is very, like, empathetic and understanding of Miles. Like, his dad is the one who has, like, really great expectations and wants him to, like, really focus on his studies and do the best that he can in life. Like, he wants the best for his son. And he doesn't really recognize that Miles' artistic side is something that can be uh, nurtured and lead him down a great path in life, too. But at the end of the movie, he does encourage it by allowing him to do his graffiti on, like, a wall uh, in the prison or near the prison to, you know, as a memorial for Uncle Aaron. Yeah. So. It's really, really adorable. I love that even though the mom is kind of a character that's not very, it's she's not very important to the movie, she feels very, very important to 
Miles' life. They share their yeah. own love language, and they um and it's it's like um they kind of use Spanish as their own little language to um keep secrets from Dad, <laughs> which it, I I thought was adorable. And it's very, very nice and sweet, and I I love the family dynamic. So I should probably get into the opening scene of the movie and what it implies and what number 42 means in that movie. So, Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, he's behind the entire thing. I don't know if he's behind the entire thing, is he? Alchemax. He runs the company Alchemax. Oh, okay. In his universe. He sends a spider backwards in time. Uh, oh, is that why it's glitching? Yeah, it's an alternate universe oh. spider. He, spent, he sends a spider to an alternate universe backwards in time, creating a dimensional rift and an earthquake. Said earthquake happen, um, may, um, um, happens while Miles is sitting in on a, on, the, on, a, on the lottery for the Empire Visions uh, middle school, making his number come up. Oh, wow. That's what's implied during the opening credits. My it, god, this is all blinging you missing stuff. I Yeah. As someone with no background knowledge in the comics, like, this completely flew over my head. I was, like, I was looking at it, and I'm like, this is kind of it. Like, the second <laughs> time I was watching, I was like, oh, wait a fucking second, because, like, it has the spider, like, go, it has the spider glitching it, um, glitching out of existence, and then, um, and then a bunch of rolling balls, and the number 42 coming up on a round sphere, and I'm like, oh, that's the fucking lottery! Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they're, um, so, at the end of the credits, there's a scene with Miguel and uh, returning to Alchemax, commenting on the state of the multiverse and how it has, and how it's been able to hold together. Miguel is sensing an, um, who has seen an impending threat because he's from the goddamn future and he can do that and he's a cool dude, sends back a spider, an Alchemax spider experiment number 42, um, to search out the, the person that needs it the most, Miles Morales. It, hoping that this will save the multiverse, which it does. It's it's pretty good. Thus, connecting the dumb scene at the end with our, our Lord and Savior Spider Man sixty seven. <laughs> God, that was a good scene. Man, when the uh, when the credit for like footage of the Spider Man animated series from the sixties. A used courtesy of blah 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 came up in the credits. I was like, "Oh, where was that in the film?" That oh, was the beginning. Well, but then the end credit scene was like, "When oh, okay." <laughs> Harry, right, quit pointing at me. I'm not pointing at you. <laughs> Which one pointed first? That's Spider-Man did. <laughs> that blasted Spider-Man did. <laughs> but guess who? Uh, guess guess who that was? By the way, uh, that was Stan Lee, voicing J. Jonah Jameson. What oh something that he's always wanted to do. Oh my gosh, finally it happened. Yeah, he, that's, he, that's been his lifelong dream. He always wanted to play Stan Lee, and now he finally got to. You mean he wanted to play J. Jonah? Well, J. Jonah. Yeah. Same difference! <laughs> it's the same difference! <laughs> oh my gosh. Spider-Verse accomplished Stan Lee's longtime dream. It's adorable, honestly. Um, I... Uh, it, this movie accomplished a lot that Stanley, I'm sure, would have loved if he had been. I, I, I'm sure. Man, he that scene it. where Stanley appears in the film as like the store who sells Miles to Spider-Man costume, and he's like, "I'm gonna mesh him," and it's like, "Oh my god, that breaks my heart." It's like, "Oh my gosh," it's like we were friends, you know. Oh. It, it also kind of mirrored um, the relationship between Ditko and Lee at the same time because. They make it very clear that this is a snake oil salesman. His smile yeah. is fake, 
and he's and he's just messing with you the whole time. And this is um and it, it seems like the relationship between Ditko and Lee kind of is like Lee was always pulling the wool over Ditko's eyes, and they were friends, but they weren't. But they were always at each other's throats. And he, it was and, um, Stan got off on his smarmy smile about how him and Sturdy Steve were the best of pals when they were, but not really. And it was just kind of cute. It's mm-hmm. like it all fits eventually. <laughs> then you pan over to the sign that says no returns, no refunds. Yeah, they really got down how Lee like acted back in the good old days of Marvel Comics. There was always a catch to what he said. <laughs> like he's, he's like, oh yeah, our brilliant pals back at the bullpen. There was no Marvel bullpen. It was just a bunch of dudes that, that worked that worked at home and occasionally got letters from Lee saying do this and phone calls saying do this, and they'd be like, okay. That was the Marvel bullpen. <laughs> a bunch of board guys working their asses off for a, for for an angry dude chomping cigars. Mm-hmm. It was a it was it God it was like the best tribute to Lee they could have had. It's like how he actually was, but it was still so sweet and it, it, especially you know in retrospect. Oh yeah, it's you like, think it's, it's easily the best Stanley tribute slash cameo. In a Marvel movie, yeah, I think it was made with like with Ditko's recent death in mind because he had died um, very early 2018. So yeah, they had they had a little um, graffiti memorial to him, which was kind of cute. That's great. Like the guy, the guy with the bowl cut and the glasses. That's Ditko in the graffiti scene um, with Aaron and Miles. It um, it was really really cute, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Yeah, but they also had like a few little, uh, a few little things in there that were just like, oh, that's, that's from Ditko. Just um, some odd things. Like I saw Frederick Fo- Friedrich Foswell, a character that was very, very much Ditko's own creation, just in the background. I'm like, hey, there's Foswell. <laughs> it was, it was some nice stuff. There, this is just a wonderful tribute to the two men that created the character. And also a big fuck you to everybody that ruined the character later on. Tom, <laughs> me, Peter Parker, and Mary Jane are married in two universes now. <laughs> in a dick. Quesada, whatever your name is, Quesadilla. I'm going to call you Quesadilla. You know who you are. You One more day. That was a thing. Yeah. One more day was a comic. Yeah. Also, Peter Parker in that in the in the in the movie universe was really really fun. He's very very much an ultimate Peter Parker. They even had the scene of Uncle Ben. Uh, there, there's a scene in the comic where he's where where a silhouette of Uncle Ben waves to Peter as he's walking into the afterlife, and it was really cute. Oh and they gosh. had that in the movie. And I was like, oh, there he is. That's so sweet. And Aunt May acts like she does in the Ultimate Comics. Yeah, when you were describing her, I was like, wow, so that's where they got the inspiration from. Yeah, she's still old, but she still kicks ass. That's great. Yeah, so this is like if Ultimate Peter was allowed to live ten years longer, because he died at age, like, 26. Yeah. Which I thought was, like, a weird number at first. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a second. Maybe there's also, because 26 plus, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, no, like, 16 plus 16. No, wait. 16 plus 16 is that? 42? No, I don't know. I don't know. Man. What? 26 plus 16 is 42. Yeah, man, maybe that's like... Oh, maybe that's adding like... their ages together is another Whoa. reference? No, yeah, that'd be... That'd be a weird <laughs> posthumous thing? I don't... 
this is uh, 42 42 only has symbolism in the movie and that it's like it, it it's it, it's um just a coincidence it's a it's the coincidental symbol of miles's um becoming a spider and his life going on that path mm-hmm. it's um it's miles's number it's uh that that is that that's sim- that's he he's is he's experiment number 42 okay so maybe the implication is Miguel has tried this 41 previous times? Yeah, 41 previous times to save the multiverse. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know what's been happening with the other ones. Let's keep this universe happy. Man, that opening uh, introduction scene just is even so much more incredible than how much information the backstory conveys in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Because, wow, there's just so much you learn. And, like, a lot of it flew over my head as someone not familiar with comics. But, like, for, if you know what all the things flying across the screen represent, like, it, that's incredible. Like, even if you don't know, I think he sets up things up really well. Mm-hmm. And if you've watched the ending scene with Miguel seeming to know what the hell's going on, even though he wasn't there, and it seems like the multiverse collapsing was his own project, you could infer that since this spider's from another dimension, and it had, it, um, then he might have had something to do with it. And then you, if you've ever read Spider-Man 2099, you know about Alchemax, and you're like, oh shit, that was his! <laughs> I don't know why the hell Kingpin's ahead, um, in charge of it in this universe, but why not? K- Kingpin can do what he wants. He he he's a chunky boy. <laughs> King- Kingpin is such a good character in this movie. I've always loved Kingpin. He's they uh, my, my 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 I love how like new watchers like my sister and my little brother um we're like why is the fat man so strong it still gets people to this day it's always gotten people kingpin is kingpin is so fat but it's all muscle he's a goddamn sumo wrestler he's bulky like it's not fat it's muscle and he's gonna crush your head he doesn't need a gun he's he's, he can just pinch your head yeah He's, he's a good boy i love kingpin hello i don't love what he does but i do love him yeah i mean he is also another very sympathetic villain, and just in the sense of his motivation is that, you know, his family discovered the kind of person he was, they ran away, they died in an accident, he feels incredible guilt over this, so he's trying to rip over the multiverse to find another version of his family to connect with, but not really caring that these will have horrible consequences, and... It doesn't matter if he finds an utter version of his family. If they find out this kind of person he was, they're also gonna leave him. So. Yeah, which that was in the and that was in the end uh, in the end scene of the subway where multiple versions of his family, or um, multiple versions of his family, condensing with one that looked like one that he was familiar with, running away from him. A small uh, visual gag uh, briefly during that sequence. A tr- train from Hotel Transylvania Street, a similar shot, is uh, shown for like a split second there. Oh, that's so, adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I love that little subway through time and space. <laughs> that was a, an amazing fight scene. That was one of the most visually striking fight scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, yeah. The fight scenes in the movie are just incredible, like in terms of how they're directed and like how insane the visuals are in terms of like... What all these things flying across the screen and the camera work? Like from from the beginning, it's just it's the first fight scene is between Peter Parker and the Green Goblin. 
who is ultimate green goblin, so he's a big ass monstrosity that's tearing through this place. And I'm assuming that he helped create the dimensional rift because he does seem to have an understanding of it and what it does. Yeah. When it dips Peter into it, and he does speak at first, so you know he's not bestial. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that Kingpin, um, Dr. Olivia Octavius, who's the uh, Dr. Octopus in this, and it's implied that you know she's related to the original Dr. Octopus who probably died or something. I don't know if that's implied in this movie. I don't know. Like, there's no, I don't think there's any statement that there was another Dr. Octopus before her. I think she just is Dr. Octopus in this universe. Oh, I thought I saw something in like one of the weird... There's, there, there's this weird... Like, him fighting his rogues gallery, hmm. and the abomination was there for some reason. <laughs> there's, okay, there's two weird Hulk cameos. I don't know what it's what it means, but there's two cameos of Hulk villains. The abomination and the leader. I don't know why they're there. Mm, Hulk movie when? I just want a Hulk movie, guys. <laughs> Maybe they'll make a Hulk into the Hulkiverse next. Yeah. It'll be better than Hulk Agents of Smash. I mean, that could be, like, the prototype. They'll take the characters from there, but actually make it watchable. Yeah, or they could just use the multiple Hulks that have been in various comics. Just Planet Hulk. Yeah. Uh, you could have the Magnus. You could have Grey Hulk, uh, Red Hulk. You just get a whole rainbow of Hulks. <laughs> and then they do their thing. I... I, I I, I miss Hulk. Like, they keep pulling uh, important characters from Hulk's universe into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but don't have any relation to what they were doing in the Hulk, the Amazing Hulk movie. Hmm. So I'm like, what the fuck? General Ross, where's your daughter? <laughs> Why isn't she doing anything about this Hulk thing? When are we going to get She-Hulk? Yeah, when are we going to get She-Hulk? She's a lawyer. I don't want Captain Marvel, I want She-Hulk. I want her to sue somebody. I love her. <laughs> she is fun. I like her a lot. Um, anyways, mo- movie, movie shit. Um, there's, there's this very, very... It doesn't really take the spectacular route of um, being focused on smooth motion and interesting camera angles. It goes for more visual flair and style for the type of characters that the, um, that are fighting. Yeah, things are always happening on screen, and everything moves by very quick. Like, in that scene where Spider-Man is fighting Goblin, and then Prowler comes in, like, it's very chaotic. Like, camera is moving around, like, constantly in this environment, and, like, you're kind of seeing it from Miles' perspective, so you're getting caught up in, like, the chaos. Miles is, like, on the Green Goblin at one point, being swung around in crazy directions and stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a very different approach to how most Spider-Man movies have been doing it, as in like uh, as in like longer shots focusing on Peter doing his various thing. Um, it's it, it's very very chaotic and interesting, which um, it, it's very very easy to get uh, to completely ruin that and just be jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. What the fuck's going on? But this movie really manages to sell that kind of style, probably because of its limited frame animation. And it's more comic booky style of you see the action like like it's like um act, kind of split up like a comic book's panels mm-hmm. like you cut from different panels to see what's going on yeah and like there's one action per panel or one action per cut I mean this movie really 
uh, embraces its comic book roots and replicates that visually. The aesthetic of the movie, definitely with the gradients and like all the color dots and stuff, it feels like this is like a comic book truly brought to life. No, oh, yeah, I, my favorite part of the movie, honestly, like in my one of my my favorite part of the movie visually is um probably well besides the ending fight scene which is the best thing ever is is probably when Miles is starting to figure out how spider sense works um he he hears a strange voice in his head and throughout the day there's been odd flashes and they're starting to uh, and they're starting to he's starting to learn how to control them and it's going down to a small tingle around his head and then like various words are appearing on the on environment around him to, telling him where to look out and what he's supposed to be doing at that moment and then the and then um and then when the whisper in his head um becomes a bit more clear the goblin's tail knocks him the hell out and it's um it's very very close to how Ditko used to um, represent how spider sense worked not a lot of people did this it was kind of weird like with a um uh, with um with the, with the little squiggly lines and words on various parts of the architecture of the building mm-hmm. and um in his universe he used like a a half of a mask to be like nobody nobody must know that I'm Peter Parker or Oh no, there's something behind me, but I must act in this way or else the, the world will know that I'm really Spider-Man. <laughs> something like that. It was a very, very interesting and very Ditko way of um, using the uh, the environment to one's advantage and using one uh, using little personal touches to make everything work. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It was pretty. It's the best representation of Spider-Sense ever. In a movie, anyways, and even in, I think it beats out Spectacular. Sorry, Spectacular. I love you, Spectacular. <laughs> You're so good. I, I love that show so much. Yeah, I mean, before this, I would say this that was the best interpretation of Spider-Man, but now, after Spider-Verse, I think that this movie unseats every other adaptation before, as in terms of a quality Spider-Man adaptation and story. I um I really like when I was watching I watched Spectacular a little bit after this and um I really loved how different it was in its approach to storytelling it's it just made me realize how this movie made Miles so very very different subtly than Peter Parker because mm-hmm. Peter Parker is a lot more confident in what he's doing and Spectacular is mostly from Peter's point of view and his and his relationships with others do define him, but they're not as strong as the ones with Miles. And um, Peter's Peter's starting to learn, uh, trying to learn how to juggle them. When with for Miles, that's all he can think about. Yeah. And the um and the action for Peter is very very smooth and practiced, whereas for Miles, it's very very chaotic. So yeah, because Miles is just starting to learn this stuff. Like he's this is his origin story, so he's getting used to the powers. He, you know, doesn't know what he's doing and he has to learn. And then it culminates in this scene where he takes that leap of fate and, like, really learns to master them. Mm-hmm. It's it, um, it's very wonderful how they kind of played out the idea of a Spider-Man superhero story in that you must, as a, you, you've got to take that first leap of faith. You have to go out and you have to fight your first chameleon um, and break into the Fantastic Four's headquarters, or you have to mm-hmm. go after the mob that sent the vulture to eat your Uncle Ben, 
oh, oh, Spider-Man Noir's world is fucked up. <laughs> or you have to get in the fucking robot. <laughs> Things like that. It's 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 wonderful, and I really love the idea that every single universe and story and thing that you have popping around in your head is completely valid and wonderful and good. And even though it may have a civil, it may have a, um, something similar to a story that already exists, it's still unique in its own aspect. Which is the exact opposite message of the original Spider-Verse comic, which was that Dr. Octopus was the only Spider-Man ever are, besides Silk and maybe Peter Parker, and you should go fuck yourself, especially if you like these characters. Haha, ha, we're going to murder Spider-Man and his amazing friends, and then we're going to kill Leopardon. Well, so they really only took the idea of there being a Spider-Verse from the actual Spider-Verse comics for this movie. Yeah, it was a big fuck you to the entire <laughs> idea of the Spider-Verse, as in which Spider-Man is truly worthy to be Spider-Man. And this movie's like, fuck you, all of them. Yeah. Every single one. Spider-Man. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyone can be, anyone can wear the mask as long as, you know, you have a good heart and are doing what you think needs to be done. It's, it's wonderful, it's good, and I love it. And mm-hmm. I, I really loved how it, uh, how it brought a lot of these lesser known characters to the screen. They're originally going to use Silk instead of Penny Parker, but because Penny Parker was just so fucking different, even though she only has one comic ever, they decided to use her instead. With Penny Parker, they could do the anime-inspired aesthetic, which I think they wanted to play with, because it's like this recognizable thing that, you know, would be just this fun thing. It's like, oh, other universes with different, like, kind of looks to them, this is definitely a recognizable one. We have, like, cartoon character and uh, Peter Porker. We have, like, this noir-esque universe with Spider-Man Noir, and we have anime with Penny Parker. And the like, punk yeah. ro- uh, and the uh, and the punk New Age rock aesthetic with Gwen. Yeah. Which was a bit more subtle in the movie, but it, it was always wonderful whenever I saw it. Mm-hmm. Although, for Penny, um, apparently Lord and Miller had to really, really fight to make it as anime as possible because Sony didn't want to. And that's why at the, in the end product, sometimes she looks a bit fl- more Flash animated than, like, closer to an anime. They wanted something straight out of the original Sailor Moon. Ah. Um, it, or something very, very close to what, uh, to, like, the weird, pulpy, um, uh, to, to the weird, pulpy, Evangelion, dirty pear, ghost in the shell style of... Those are very different styles. Sh- shut up. It's, uh, that's, what, that's, that's what the inspiration Gerard Way and his artists went for, because... <laughs> okay. Shut up. Because they're going for all of those at once. I, I mean, in terms of, like, big shoujo eyes, uh, Yeah. That kind of design, you know, yeah. Dirty Pair, show Sailor Moon are closer in terms of things you can draw from. They're, they're I would closer. definitely say that it looks closer to, like, Sailor Moon than it does Evangelion, even though Penny Parker's origins are very uh, much inspired by Evangelion. Yeah, um, Gerard Way originally was going, like, he, he has little references to all the character, like, all the inspirations that he had for when he was making this, so the character design for Penny is a bit more like, uh, um, is a bit more like a, uh, an older, it's like, like, a, um, a, a, a shoujo aimed at older people, like, a dirty pair. Well, the world. shoujo. Well, what the fuck is Sanin? Like a magical girl series aimed at older women? Is like Just anything aimed at older women. 
That's I don't know what to say, but like Yosei, sure. That those are very different kind of stories generally than like what I'd imagine a Penny Parker. Like in terms of character design, I don't know if you'd find something like Penny Parker or Jose. I don't know. That's I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to. Just gonna. Have, I'm gonna trust Gerard Way. I think it's closer to a more punky, cyberpunky, um, anime aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. Sure. This is like. This is like manga. Uh, Shiro Masamune. Not. Not like Ghost in the Shell, as you would think from the 1995 anime movie or Complex. Yeah. Like, manga Masamune, yeah, I could definitely see uh, Penny in this film. Like, both her design and the, and the robot design being most inspired by that. Yeah. Like, the, I'm, I'm mostly talking about Comic Penny, if you... Oh, Comic Penny. Well, from what I've seen of that, I mean, that... That looks more similar to Evangelion in terms of just colors. Mm-hmm. To me. The colors were very, very similar to Evangelion, but the character design and world seemed a bit. Hmm. Penny in the uh-huh. comics just does not look. She doesn't look as anime as an yeah, anime. Yeah, in the film, but... she looks definitely more. Oh, uh, I'm hyper cute anime girl, and then in the comics, she just she looks pretty toned down. She looks like. Like if you were to compare it to a manga art style, like I guess that would be more seinen esque. But then, uh, I, I mean, in terms, of, again, I guess Masamune is a good comparison. But uh, where the friggity frack is my is, is is my picture of her? I don't know. She is interest. Um, her design is really interesting. I think, like, uh, how they uh, how they did her in the in in the original comic. It see it has this odd. Japanese um, um, meets Western style, which I like, and it's obviously inspired by a multitude of things. But eh, like the only wor- the version of Penny that pops up when I first look for her is <laughs> like from a 2018 comic, which is obviously Evangelion mm-hmm. in terms of how Spider is drawn. So yeah, it's like. Oh yeah, this is more her. This is this is her uh, full the full design as a as a. Um... Oh, that is so even. This, the freaking Ava cast is in the background oh, in not... this image. Uh, here's some more for you. I mean, they put all their inspir. There's Simone. Simone. Uh, uh, what's the girl's name from Dirty Pair? That's supposed to be her right there. Where's the ghost? Doesn't in the look shell that cast? much like her. Oh, where's the ghost in the shell cast? Because they're in this too. That's like in that one shot. That was. Asuka, Ray, Shinji, and yeah. uh, gay Jesus. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> uh, then they have the Ghost in the Shell cast, and they have Akira, uh, uh, the character, some characters from Akira, and they have Doctor Tenma for some reason. Uh, hi Tenma. It doesn't look that much like him. Ah, uh, he's got. But that's yeah, that's Machoka. That's oh my god. <laughs> How are they not getting? That's too similar to Bato for like. I, I, how do? Did they get clearance for this? Are they paid to use it's, Sam Jackson's likeness? How are they not having to pay to use that image like that? When it's like so transparently Bato. It's uh, even before the Ava uh, characters are so transparently them. Like I, <laughs> it's I'm I'm it's Gerard Way. This kind of borders on like uh, using copyrighted characters it without really permission, does, which is why they probably didn't use any of her original. Like, she's got an interesting story in here. It's just, 
I mean, if Penny Parker facilitates a crossover involving all of these franchises, that'd be fun. But, I mean, how did they get away with this in this comic? I honestly have absolutely no idea. It's this Ava is just Ava be... Unit 02. What are they... This is like... I mean, it's got enough... This difference. is... I mean, this, inspired... this one is at least different it doesn't it doesn't look exactly like it but the character designs for these background characters are so obviously what they are just play spot the character (laughs) there's canada (laughs) oh my god oh no no there's canada oh he's exactly like him he's wearing the red jacket he has the pill on it it's like (laughs) What? So, that's uh, that's te- no, that's more Tetsu on that. Is there a Lum cameo in here? That make my. They day. don't have any ah, Lum cameos. I'm sad about shame. that. It, I mean, it's more based off of it's more seinen works and Lum. Well, these are these are sci-fi, very popular works that they're inspired from. Clearly. Try to try to tell where the rest of this thing's design came from. It's the machinery in the Akira manga. Uh-huh. I mean, that's obviously where the red, the colors come from. And the, and the, the red, the yellow, signs, the Just the, like yeah. the facility itself that Akira's kept in. Yeah. That's what it screams to me. I'm like, that's, that's really, really it's, it's distracting, but at the same time, it also adds to the effect that this is a weird sci-fi cross between Mecha and Tokusatsu that Daredevil represents, and I'm, like, he's not, he's obviously not pulled from, he's just, like, a multi- multitude of mass of common uh, writers, and that's cool as shit, and her, 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 she's very similar to Videl, but she's not, and she has her own rogues gallery that do cool-ass shit, like, um, the, uh, uh like this Mysterio thing, that pilots an, that pilots an angel, sort of, but not really, <laughs> it, it's cool. It's trippy, and I love her. Yeah, I definitely want to read this, and uh, I would love to see if they make a Penny Parker film like this aesthetic carried over. It's very, very interesting how they treat her in this compared to in the film. Like, in the film, I don't think there's any similarities to what I'm seeing here, because in the film, it's like very much, this is the idea most people have of what anime is and how that looks, and those kind of stories with giant robots and stuff so let's let's just show that off because that those are original shorthands people recognize but yeah i would also say that penny's i feel like she ended up being like the least developed of the spider-man in the film yeah which there there seem to be um what, what's really really interesting about her i love i would talk about penny parker I will, i've been dying to talk about penny parker okay <laughs> okay so they seem to be pulling like, uh, when I watch it again, they seem to be pulling a lot more of her characterization than I remembered. Some of the lines she refers to both her and her spider, uh, both her and her spider, and she likes to do that a lot. In the comic, she shares a hive mind with the spider when mm-hmm. she's inside of the suit. So the spider itself uh, was piloted by her dad. He died when she was four years old, and she's confronted by her uncle Ben and Aunt May. <laughs> they totally aren't. They're it's, it's not remind you of anybody right uh, there? It's no. Gendo. Yeah, it's just Gendo. Um, it's so Spider. Well, I mean, it's only that much like Masada, at least. Yeah. It, um, so what happens with her is she, the is robot that Totoro is, on her bag. No, it's not Totoro. It's just a dog. 
She actually has the same um, backpack in the movie that she does later in this when she's in middle school. Okay. There's only one issue of this that was drawn by the original team. The original team had to uh, started working at DC, so Marvel couldn't get them back. So the next one, I just kind of consider like it's it, it's just a Venom bullshit <laughs> thing with more Evangelion and less uh, original ideas of its own, which. I mean, this this isn't exactly the most original thing ever, but it does set up its own original thing because it can. But so so anyways, her, her dad was uh, her, her dad is biologically bonded to Spider, and when her dad dies, she is the closest living genetic match to it. But she's but um but I mean, this is pretty much Ava. Yeah, and but she's more of an emotionless robot when she's younger. She seems to have expected this the whole time. Like, that it was going to happen. She's not very concerned about her dad being dead. And then when we next see her... So she's Ray. Yeah, she's Ray. That's, that's, the, that's what I was... That's yeah. The, yeah. Um, so Spider bites her, and she genetically bond... Uh, she, she bonds with it, and inside of the suit, she shares a hive mind with the spider itself that pilots that, that pilots suit with her in the Gurren Lagann-esque thing. Because we need as much mecha as possible. Because, dear God, Gerard Way, you're such a goddamn weeaboo. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and later, she seems to have developed her own personality outside of that. As she's a um, as well uh, as she's a bit more um, as she's a bit more excited for battle. She uh, um, she expresses her emotion through song, and uh-huh. she's a very interesting. She, she's uh, a, a, she's got a pop style fan base like she's some sort of an idol um and uh she's occasionally pulled out of school by her tokusatsu buddy daredevil to fight crime he's basically the the great saiyaman that's awesome and it's really really cool to see how this all works together uh, how how this all works and it's just kind of interrupted by the whole spider-verse plot thing, but it is kind of cool to see her reacting to Peter Porker, and she's like, <laughs> she thinks it's hilarious. Um, so th- th- there's a bit of the weird Genki girl in her, but it doesn't, she's not really allowed to express it as much, unless mm. she's around her friend Daredevil. Which, okay. is, which is really cool. But the whole ruthless um, cold, um, cold-blooded killer thing really comes out in the Spider-Verse movie, where like, except like, she seems to think that the happy girl is, like, what people normally expect of her. Um, so that's the mode that she's normally in, and she'll occasionally just say weird off-color things, and I'll be like, what the fuck? I think those are just quirky things. I don't know if that's, like, hit, hinting in a deeper personality. I mean, she was, she was taught, she's like, uh, she's like, can you, um, can you, um, can you ruthlessly mow through your enemies? Can you kill them in cold blood? And, um, and well, making her crazy-ass anime face. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Good job! And, of course, Spider's implements seem to be designed for a, a, bit, a bit of killing. She's, in, she's an interesting character, and I wish to see them do more with her, because they... It, yeah, but they destroyed Spider. I mean, they were trying to give her an emotional beat in the climax, but... And I think it works. I felt bad when the robot died, but I was like, I wish like, there could have been more with her still. Like, the movie definitely wanted... I made me feel like I, I wanted more from Penny in this film. And I got. can tell that everybody involved did, too, because they really wanted to push Penny. Like, yeah. they fought to put her in the movie, 
they wanted to do something with her. Also, I did like that um, the only time she actually managed to land a hit in the final battle, it changed to the art st- like it, it changed to the uh, washed out style of this, and mm-hmm. uh, for a, for a few frames, and it was really cool looking. It's like oh, they actually know that they know like the style that this was that this should have been, but it isn't. Or, like, the, what it originally came from. It, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Noir is... Everybody's style is a little bit different, except for Peter Porker. Like, Noir is... His universe isn't black and white, but might as well be, because it's... It is dark. It's dark <laughs> Noir. He's... He's an interesting boy, but... Penny got really shafted, and I feel bad for her. I like the relationship between her and Noir, and people on Twitter seem to really like that, too. Yeah. Cause, had a nice father daughter thing right there. Yeah, because you know Penny never had a dad, and they both have, and and they both seem like people that have to re- suppress their emotions a lot. Yeah, and probably do things for the good of, uh, for for the greater good, um, for maybe the good of the state, because you know Noir fights Nazis and she fights various gangsters that pop up around not Japan, <laughs> like the major. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> the major and you know Canada and you know all those all those, all those other ruthless threats. <laughs> oh my gosh, M- maybe Rita Repulsa and Lord Zed occasionally. Who knows? Wow, and, it, it, angels. <laughs> it happens. Of course, it just it just happens. All the anime villains, the ultimate anime crossover. It's Penny Parker comics. I just, yeah, I wish that they had done a lot more with them. I mean, it's good that Gerard Way is doing his own thing with the Umbrella Academy Netflix series and DC's Young Animal because Shade the Changing Girl and Doom Patrol are, they are Kino, <laughs> as the kids say, but it's Kino. <laughs> that's a, that's a good TV meme from 4chan. <laughs> oh, it's so noir. Is no more because we're going into super ultra backstory. Because Gwen's a Gwen's a backstory. It's, that's that's in the movie. They got it. She's fine. Basically, as is. It as is. The only thing that's like not really as well communicated, I guess, is that it, it, um, it's basically if Peter Parker never got bitten by the spider and he becomes the lizard, and then she yeah. beats the shit out of him, and he dies in the process, and she's like, oh shit, it was that nerdy dork that was my best friend Peter Parker all along. Mm-hmm. Oh no. And then she's sad, and joins a band with Mary Jane Watson, and she's kind of boring, but everybody else in her universe is really, really cool, so who cares? Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Yeah. Spider-Man Noir. Uncle Benjamin and Aunt May are socialist protesters that run a soup kitchen during the Great Depression of the United States. Hoover is trying to fix shit up, and he's not doing a very good job. The the FBI and other people in New York are not very happy about these socialist rabble-rousers going down to Hooverville and giving out free meals and uh, promoting those, those goddamn Russian Marxist thinking ideologies. So they, de- so they decide to, um, a- to ask for some help from the mob as the government was wont to do at the time because, you know, the mobs control everything, so why not ask them for some favors just so people don't get arrested? And, you know. So they ask the goblin to send some of his men down and uh, uh, put the hurt down on old Benjamin Parker. The goblin's just recently gotten in a new boy. His name's uh, the Vulture. Uh, uh, he's a geek from the circus, and in case you don't know what geek means, it's the people that bite the heads off chickens in old freak shows about, down at the circus. 
How did that come to mean nerd as it is today? I have absolutely no idea. I thought that that was hilarious when I found it out when I was 12. It's like, oh, the people are like, you're such a geek. I don't bite the heads off of chickens, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, so the uh, so the the goblin and his gang, um, you know, the, they got the Sandman. He's called the Sandman because he's the last thing you see before you go to sleep. You know, things like that. And the goblin is uh, was a freak at the circus. He's like a weird goblin lizard person, but um, because uh, like he's got a skin deformity that makes him look like a goblin, but he's he's got makeup for that, and he's now gonna put he's he's now gonna repay the world for the kindness that they showed him by getting them back as a, as a mobster, stuff like that. They, um, they, they set the vulture loose on Benjamin Parker, and uh, the vulture devours him alive. Horrifying. And Peter Parker comes across the desecrated corpse of his uncle and vows to, and vows to somehow end the corruption in the government, because he knows exactly what the fuck happened. You know what happens when the mob comes to call. So... Uh-oh. One day, um, so was Peter Parker a teenager when he becomes Spider-Man in this universe too? Uh, yes, a little bit older. He's just starting college. Hmm. Um, at the time, he well, he can't afford college, so he's working with his aunt May at the soup kitchen, and he finds a job with the Daily Bugle under um under J. Jonah Jameson, and he starts to he starts to figure out about the seedy underbelly of the city through a guy named Ben Ulrich, who's working for J. Jonah Jameson. And he starts to think that he can do something about the corruption of the city because Jonah and Ben don't seem to be doing anything, strangely. So he, um, so he, decides, to, um, so he decides on a tip to make a hit on the mob. And the mob is, seems to be transporting this odd spider voodoo, uh, voodoo god um, that they took from a, uh, from a tribe in darkest Africa. No wow. one knows really why they want it, but... You know, they got it. And it's a Nancy? Hmm? A Nancy? Like a mythical folk spider in Africa? Yeah, I don't think it's like a real one, but it's they, they got a voodoo god doll. Okay. And, and as as you do, it falls over, and um, and thousands and thousands of spiders pour out of it. They devour the, uh, um, they, they devour uh, one of the uh, one of the goblins enforcers, a guy named Fancy Dan, alive, and they start to descend onto Peter, who's hanging in the rafters. Um, a god, uh, the voodoo god himself, comes to Peter and says that he has no evil in his heart and is worthy of taking up the the, um, the totem of the spider. And Peter becomes the um, the amazing Spider Man, who's going to bring justice to um, justice to the drown- downtrodden masses of New York City during the Great Depression. Because you know hey. it's pulpy as shit. You gotta have your voodoo god. <laughs> um, of pe- course, as yeah. You. Peter t- Peter tracks down a trail of corruption that leads all the way to J. Jonah Jameson, um, who um, who uh, he's been working for the mob the whole time, but not oh voluntarily. My gosh. Bad guy J. Jonah. Yeah, but not voluntarily. Uh. Actually, as it turns out, everybody's got some dirt on them, Ooh. and. Um, and a guy named Fa- and, and a little guy called the Chameleon that works for the Goblin um, uh, somehow got some shit on a squeaky clean J. Jonah Jameson. He's a crusading. He, he's a, he's always been a crusading dude, mm-hmm. even in the comics when he's kind of an asshole. But you know he means 
well, not really. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, there's there's a big fight. Uh, Spider Man g- falls in love with a woman who runs a nightclub. Her name is uh, the Black Cat or Felicia. Ooh, Ooh she runs a speakeasy. It's cool. <laughs> it, it's cool as shit. And Goblin dies horribly. Bad things happen, and it's awesome. And then later, there's some shit with the Nazis starting to make a move on New York through um uh, th- uh through a cripple named Otto Octavius who starts experimenting on the more disposable population of New York, aka the African Americans. Oh my God! And um and the Spider Man friend and the Spider Man friend of the people decides to fuck their shit up. And that's how he begins his Nazi fighting career. And there's this great scene at the end where Otto Octavius uh, confronts uh, Herr Goebbels after being um, after being uh, banished from the United States. And Goebbels is like, "Oh, so you're a cripple? There's no need for inferiors like cripples in the Third Reich." And shoots him in the face. And I'm like, "Oh, oh my some God. comeuppance! That is uh, karma is a bitch." Yeah, karma is a bitch. And later, and and that's about at the point that Peter's at. He's uh, he becomes a private detective after leaving the Bugle, after becoming a uh, investigative reporter, after clearing shit up with J. Jonah Jameson because he's a good guy now. Now he's become a private detective. You know, punching Nazis, bringing hope to the oppressed. And fucking up the corruption in the in in the government of America. He's a cool ass dude, and he's only had two comics ever, well, no. two miniseries ever. Uh, one is just Spider Man Noir and Spider Man Noir Two: Eyes Without a Face. Wow, they're pretty damn good, and a tie-in issue with that Spider Verse thing, which is actually pretty damn cool because it's Spider Man up against a charlatan magician named Mysterio. Ooh. What kind of what kind of things what kind of tricks will this Mysterio pull out of his sleeve? It, it's really really fun. Peter Porker is just Captain Carrot, except not. Explain further for our audience who will not know who Captain Carrot is. Okay, so if you've ever read the original Teen Titans, there you probably came across this like Teen Titans number one. You probably came across this weird thing at the end where Superman visits a world of talking funny animals and a meteorite lands in a, <laughs> a in, in in a cartoonist um in a cartoonist a carrot box that he has outside of his window and it, it infects the carrots with radiation and this guy Rodney Rabbit uh when he eats one of the carrots becomes the amazing Captain Carrot and he decides to and like you know there's some weird radiation bullshit happening all over because of um, because of Starro because Starro was really really bored and decided to fuck over this <laughs> universe and he just kind of wanted a friend and he was bored and he forms uh, an alliance with all the other radioactive uh, radi- radiated funny animals um, based off of his comic which is called uh, the Just a Lot of Animals that <laughs> uh, put put the first letters of all that together. Mm. It, um, to make the Amazing Zoo Crew. It was made by uh, All-Star Squadron creator Roy Thomas, who also created the Squadron Supreme. If you've never heard of that, it's Watchmen. Mm. Way before Watchmen ever happened. Also arguably better. Oh. Not in, art, not in terms of art, but it's really, really good. It's kind of, it, it takes things back to what funny animal comics used to be back in the 1960s or so, you know, Robert Crumb and the like with Fritz the Cat. Yeah. And that it's something, 
but it's also accessible for all ages. Unlike Robert Crumb's Frisbee yeah. Cat, in that it is a um, it, is that it's a it's a very much a parody of the way that society works and the weird things that we do in uh, and the weird things that society does, while also having you know funny animal puns like. The Flash in this universe is a tortoise, ha! <laughs> and Wonder Woman, oh it, and uh, um, actually, uh, if you ever heard of Star Girl, Courtney, um, yeah, yeah, Star Girl, who's pretty important nowadays thanks to um, various animated series. Yeah, um, you might people might be interested to know she's actually a big fan of one of the characters from Captain Carrot called Yankee Poodle. She, that her costume is literally Yankee Poodles. Aww. it's adorable. <laughs> But it's it's really really cool. I absolutely love Captain Carrots. All right. About a year later, um, after Captain Carrot was in, was invented, Marvel decided to try their hand at the uh, postmodern funny animal um, deconstruction of society while still being appropriate for all ages thing with a character named Peter Porker who is bitten by a radioactive pig. Um, after his job, uh, during his job at the Daily, what was it, Beagle, yeah, the Daily Beagle, and becomes the amazing Spider-Ham, Spider-Pig, Spider-Ham, whatever. So, was the spider named Peter Porker before it was bitten by a pig? No, it was, no, Peter, like, the, the guy, I, I, he's, he's like a, he's a pig, and he's bitten by a radioactive pig. No, but in the... Movie, no, wait, yeah, like a right. spider bitten by a radioactive pig. I don't even remember. It was just kind of like it was kind of derivative. So I was like, I read this years. Ago. I read this. I read this a long time ago, and I didn't bother to read it for the podcast because I was like, it's whatever. Well, how long ago does this predate the Simpsons movie and Spider Pig? Thirty years. Okay. Did the Simpsons not know about this when they made that joke? Or probably because I'm <laughs> Spider Ham, not Spider Pig. So, or maybe they just did that because they could because of rights issues. Maybe. Uh, who knows? Uh, I feel like a lot of people when they saw Spider Ham, though, were like, "Oh, it's it's like the Simpsons joke." No, he's no, what? No, it's it's twenty. It's, it was twenty years actually. He's, he's been around since 1983. Mm-hmm. Captain Carrot has been around since 1982, so he's got a year on Spider-Ham, <laughs> you derivative hack! <laughs> yeah, Spider-Ham's never been as popular as Captain Carrot's, but... Until since... now. Until now. Now people know this character's name, and they don't know Captain, Captain Carrot. Mm. Until DC makes a Captain Carrot series in mm, response. They almost did. They almost made a gritty Captain Carrot movie. That is the opposite of what they should do. They've they've tried to make Captain Carrot gritty a lot. You're kind of missing the point of what you have there. Yeah, because the whole thing is it's it, it's make it's also it was also making fun of dark and edgy comics at the time because this is yeah. what, this is during the Bronze Age when things were getting very very dark. So why not have something that was making fun of all of that? <laughs> they even had their own parody of Crisis on Infinite Earths, and <laughs> later they were revived for um the for for the big slightly gritty but not gritty not, not very gritty event called Final Crisis in which Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew face the final arc. And oh god, that's so meta. Where the universe is imploding at their universe's version of Comic Con. <laughs> that's great. And they reunited like all the original like writing and tell and uh, illustration talents. But it's okay. Captain Carrot came back in the amazing Grant Morrison's Multiversity, which is pretty much what Spider Verse is 
based off of in concept, not mm-hmm. Spider-Verse, the comic, as in it's a cool a universe, a universal threat. It's facing all the multiverses, so all the cool kids have to come <laughs> together, and I gotta fight using their own awesome individual powers, and Captain Carrot's power is cartoon physics, and it's cool as shit. As it was when Spider-Ham took out a hammer from Hammer Space and used it to beat up the Scorpion in this movie. Yeah, it's... He doesn't. Uh, Captain Carrot doesn't have a hammer. He, but he, he's got. He's he can like. But he, he's got stuff like he can blow into his fist and make it huge, and then knock people out in his own version of Gear Third. But <laughs> it, 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 it like if people like uh, somebody tries to crush him and shoot bullets into him, they just like kind of bounce off, or he's like he like sprongs back up, but he's like, ha ha, you can't catch me. I'm awesome. And I'm like, yes, you are. You're so awesome. And I want more Spider-Ham, too, because, like, yeah. if there's more... Because everybody needs more cartoon characters that deconstruct morality and society in their lives, making references to things that are copyrighted by Warner Bros. I hope they make that movie John Mulaney wants to make, where Spider-Ham is uh, doing this Watergate-style story, uh, focusing on his career as a reporter, solving... Watergate, I guess. That it would be the absolute perfect thing to put Spider-Ham in. <laughs> Just, that, that is the most Spider-Ham Captain Carrot-y thing I can think of. <laughs> Just make, make, make a funny animal parody, no, um, no holds barred, punny version of Watergate. <laughs> except with superheroes and cartoons. That does sound it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> I want it, I want it bad. Make it happen, Marvel. Make spinoffs for all these characters, please. Don't do what Multiversity did, because we're living in a weird universe where Marvel's got, like, or, or like, uh, so Multiversity was, like, supposed to be a big thing for all these characters, and they're supposed to spin off into their own thing, and then DC said, why would we have anything fun ever? And then said, <laughs> no. But now we got Spider-Verse. And now Spider-Verse is going to get all of these characters... Like, this, the, the Marvel multiverse has never been as well-developed as the DC multiverse, but now things are changing, and the Marvel multiverse is getting its own little thing through the Spider-People. Like, it, it, um, in DC's multiversity, the, um, the universe got love and attention, and all was happy and good, but in Marvel's, you know, universal crossovers like Secret Wars or um, Spider-Verse, everybody dies horribly. But now the opposite is true. DC kills off its multiverse because Brian Michael fuck you. <laughs> and Marvel celebrates it and makes movies about it. And we've got Spider-Verse and it's great and I love it. God, why? Why, DC? Why can't you just be as good as Marvel? Well, maybe they'll take inspiration from Spider-Verse and change the rack by making an animated feature to rival it. That'd be great. Make an animated multiversity. That'd be great. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> I don't know. Who, who would it focus on? Superman? Yeah, probably Superman. Sure. No, why not? Or, or, or oh wait, no, maybe uh, Batman. Maybe probably Batman. Batman, because there's so many different Batman. Yeah, the, the, the Superman are more... Um, like, Superman's had, like, more interactions, and they're more varied yeah. and interesting. Like, we've got Captain Marvel, who's a technically an alternate universe, because nowadays he is. Yeah. The original one. We have Captain Adam, who is, think Dr. Manhattan, except he came first. Uh, we've got, actually, what Dr. Manhattan was supposed to be. Ha-ho, Charlton Comics. 
We got Overman, who's a, um, uh, who's from an alternate universe where uh, the Nazis won World War Two, and we've got um, uh, we, we've got uh, Superman, the Red Son of uh, Joseph Stalin. It's very very interesting political ideologies all clashing together. Oh, and and of course the President Obama, Superman. He's actually Obama. Not really, but he's a, he he is an African American president. Um, okay. Really, like it's a lot better than it sounds. I swear to God, it's made by Grant Morrison, so it's so it's very very yeah. respectful and wonderful, and um, it's a very very interesting universe. But the best African American Superman is the Sunshine Superman, <laughs> who who fights with his with, with eternal teenage president Prez to make sure that all is groovy in the world a dream world. That does sound pretty. He's got an afro. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I love some. He, he, it's 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 based off of like a, some seventies psychedelic song. Sunshine's. Yeah, that does sound groovy. It is. It's groovy as shit. Probably should focus on Marvel though, because it's Spider, Spider Verse. Yeah, we haven't talked about Peter B. Parker yet. No, we haven't. He's. What do you think of Peter B. Parker? So, is Peter B. Parker a specific character from the comics as well? Okay, so there's like a little thing in the opening where it's showing all of the different universes that the characters come from. And one of them says 616, and that's the main Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. I think this is... uh, This is my conspiracy theory. (laughs) Get get your tinfoil hats on, everybody. I think that this is their take on where the comics are uh, have been taking Peter Parker. Okay. He's stuck in the past. He's reliving former glories. He's going through the motions. He's broken up with Mary Jane by selling his marriage to the devil. <laughs> Crying every night alone. He he is um he is not allowed to develop. He's not allowed to have anything good happen to him. He's just he he's he he's a schlub. He's a nerd. <laughs> but but with a little love and attention. Like the like, like the love and attention he got in this movie, he could put his life back together. He could become something. And there's also, like, a big focus on Aunt May, who's, like, a doddering old woman in 616, and she's kind of boring, and mm. that's, like, the reason why Peter Parker sold his marriage to the devil, because for Aunt May's life, even though she, at that point she had been she had been on literally on death's door yeah. since her inception as a character. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, the old bear's gonna kick the bucket any second, guys. She can barely walk. She she sold her house and moved in with uh, Mary Jane's aunt because she couldn't take care of herself anymore. Like, she should have been dead in the 60s, but no, she's going to keep going on and on and on. <laughs> so I think this is them saying, fuck you, Marvel. Make, make Peter Parker grow and develop again. Yeah. but I, he's, That's I, a good inter... I think, yeah, I hope that's what they're going for. That I love that interpretation. It's like... Hey, don't make Peter Parker this loser character. Have him have happy things happen in his life. That's what everyone wants for this guy, and he can't have that. Yeah, he's been going on for so goddamn long. Make him a college professor, or or a high school professor. There was this great time period where he was teaching high school science. That's a one. That's wonderful. Still got Peter Parker in high school, but he's moved on with his life. Yeah. So good, happy time. I don't think he should be in charge of his own industry like they've been doing, like with Parker Industries or whatever. Like he's got mm-hmm. his like own company or whatever nowadays, but not really, and it keeps bankrupting him. Yeah, I mean, he Peter B. Parker tried to have his own restaurant that didn't work out. Oh shit! That's literally what happened. Oh my god! Because <laughs> Parker Industries completely closed. And, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> 
That's uh, that's that. The good good job, good job, Lord, and whoever the heck else wrote this. Miller wasn't really that involved, but you know, he was he was involved. He was producer. Yeah. Meanwhile, Peter Parker from Miles' universe seems to have like at least successful licensing business because he's he's licensed his likeness to comics and costumes and all sorts of things. So. Uh, I'm sure he's making lots of royalties. Although he wants people to focus on his uh, his biochemistry degree. What was it? Uh, chemical engineering degree? Yeah. He's got a degree in chemical engineering, guys. He's so much more than the dude that just fights crime. He uses science to do it as well, guys. Please <laughs> focus on that. Why am I making this Christmas album, guys? Also an interesting contrast is that the Peter Parker in Miles' universe seems heavily inspired by the, uh, the Peter Parker and Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Mm -hmm. Which kind of stems from the fact that he's very much the ultimate universe Peter Parker, which mm -hmm. was, you know... But he literally does the dance from Spider-Man 3. Yeah, because uh, Sam Raimi... And the, yeah. fame, and the scene where he kisses uh, Mary Jane upside but down. It's, uh, but, like, they made it clear that this was the best version of Mary yeah. Jane, where she's, like, the cool, confident person she is in the comics, because, like, Mary Jane was the one that yeah, was upside down. Yeah, she's the down. one upside down. And she's great. And I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> fuck Raimi. Um, fuck Raimi, Mary Jane. Oh, look. not fuck Raimi. I love you, Sam Raimi. <laughs> Have my children. <laughs> I love him. Evil Dead is so good. Yeah, it is. It's a classic trilogy. I love every single one of your moves. Not every single one. He's great. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a good dude. Um, I'm sure that Mary Jane was only like that because of the because of Sony because Sony demanded it. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Though you haven't really written great female characters ever, but... Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later after class, Raimi, you old man. <laughs> okay. It, it, um, so it was like, but, uh, they did want Tobey Maguire to be the Spider-Man mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, and Sony said no because it might confuse people. How would they, it confuse people? He dies in the first act, guys. Yeah, like, do they do they think it would confuse people because they would think this was in continuity with the live-action trilogy? I think that just from watching the movie, you can understand, no, that's not the case. These are just references to that version. I mean, the whole movie's big idea is variations on a theme throughout the yeah. multiverse, so... Gee, I think that we could suspend our disbelief a little bit if we see scenes from the old movies, but different. Yeah. Because, like, that's what it seemed to be implying that it was doing, except, like, it had more of an Ultimate Universe twist with, like, a better Mary Jane and Peter being a bit more of a confident person instead of, It's you who's out, Gobby! Out of your mind! <laughs> yeah, he's making quips, and, like, he always has, like, some kind of uh, remark of good humor even in the most desperate and dire situations yeah, as opposed to toby mcguire's peter is spider-man which is a bit more of a schlubby doof yeah it's, it's adorable i love you toby <laughs> I, I, I um ultimate universe peter parker has absolutely great quips 
I love him. He's almost got better quips than the original. Whoa. Whoa. I lo- I, there's this, I, I think I've sent you the pictures, but there's this wonderful scene with him and the kingpin. He's like, he, he can't come up with anything other than you're a fatty, fat McFatterton. <laughs> and so later when he meets the kingpin, he has prepared note cards. You're so fat that when you cut yourself in shaving, marshmallow fluff comes off. That's yeah. so good. And the kingpin's just like... Like 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 the king he tricks the kingpin into thinking that he's gonna make a big heroic speech that of like he's gonna take this guy down he's gonna be the person that finally puts an end to the kingpin's reign of terror in New York and it's just like you no you're 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 so you're so goddamn fat looking <laughs> <laughs> was like goddamn <laughs> it's so good I love him he's a good boy. Yeah, but, uh, Peter B. Parker is—he's a schlub. Yeah, he—he's—he's he, he's given up on life, and but he hasn't given up on being Spider-Man because he still believes that he's a responsibility to he's be. Still a good Spider-Man. Yeah, he's a great Spider-Man, as it's as it's shown very very like he does the most Ditko Spider-Man-y thing ever right from the beginning, which is watch the mouth, not the uh, watch the hands, not the mouth. Yeah, because that's because I'm going to be tricking you. By constantly quipping, because that's what originally the quips were for. Yeah, make it seem like, not get out of the ropes at first, but then, you know, bantering with Miles until, like, he has the ropes off. Yeah. Just lull them into a false sense of security. Use that mouth to work that... Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people would want to see him work that mouth, uh, based on the fan art I've seen. Oh, please, please don't ship him and Miles together. No, not with Miles. Please don't. Um, anyone else except the underage kids? I feel like the only uh, the only other person, I guess, is Noir. Then, right? Mmm. Now that be I nice. Mean, yeah, that's pretty good. That'd be that'd be that'd be some that'd, that'd be pretty steamy, honestly. I guess you could do it with Liz and Kingpin too, and uh, oh, Tombstone. That's yeah. T- yeah, I got Tombstone. Tomb- Tombstone. Doesn't, I, I was kind of sad that Tombstone doesn't have, like, a lot to do. He's just kind of Kingpin's lackey. I don't even think he his name is... Sad. No, I, I, doesn't, I don't see his name, I don't think. Or if they do, it's, like, very much in passing. Yeah, I, his he seemed to have a much larger role at some point. That was... Yeah, from deleted scenes that have been passed around, it seemed like he was he had, like, more speaking roles and more scenes where it's like shows that oh this guy knows what's up he is cunning in his own right mm-hmm. in this one although i what i do people do kind of complain about how he was the only one that was taken out by aunt may but in this continuity as well i am assuming he's the only one with enhanced super strength and that's the one that Aunt May takes out. <laughs> that's great. just that's just that's just a testament to how awesome Aunt May is, in spite <laughs> of Tombstone being awesome. She's like, take it outside. And King Pit, but Kingpin really must have a lock on the entire city. He really must have bribed a lot of people if Aunt May can just report on his goons breaking into her home and stuff. Yeah, I, although I'm sure that, that I'm sure she didn't really have. Time as the uh, as the first cop to respond was Miles's dad. Well, she could have reported it to the station herself, or I feel like there was a lot of time that passed between that fight and when they go and uh, invade Kingpin's house later that night. Like, yeah. I feel like there's enough time there for an investigation to be started. 
Yeah, it, they do. Uh, Peter and later scenes make it very, very clear that the Kingpin has a very strong hold yeah. on the entire city. And I'm sure that Aunt May, as she knows a lot of these people on first name basis, has had multiple run ins with this group before. Yeah. So, I don't know. They just keep getting away with it because Kingpin just has that much power. Yeah. Which, that's not very hard to believe. He's an organized criminal that has probably the mayor and everybody else in their in his pockets. And he's got a public image as a philanthropist. Yeah. I mean, he holds a shameless benefit for the man he killed. Yeah. Which, God, that was so... It's... It's perfect. It's it's a great way to establish how much of an absolute asshole he is. He's gonna do the thing that this man died uh, died trying to prevent on uh, while celebrating his life. He literally killed him with his own hands, and he's giving the speech to Spider Man and I. We're just like friends. We were so here to honor his memory. Like, oh my god. It's probably that is. It's probably also bait for the spider people as well. Oh, I mean, definitely. And in the deleted scenes, it's made clear that they were definitely expecting them to show up. Yeah, which I mean, they probably should have. I- I'm sure that it was fourth dimensional chess. It's like, what if if always dress up as Spider Man? Then they'll think that they- they'll think that we're stupid enough to allow them in. <laughs> Although it's probably also, ha ha, poor taste. Yeah. Also that. I'm yeah. sure. I like, feel, I feel bad for Mary Jane and Aunt yeah. May. Like I'm sure that they, I'm, I'm sure that they went to keep up appearances, and Kingpin was was leering at them the whole time. Because if this universe is anything like the Ultimate Universe, they know each other. I mean, it's kind of weird that Aunt May didn't tell Mary Jane about Kingpin, and like I'm sure his... Mary Jane knew, but she went anyway. I don't know. Like Aunt May didn't go. I mean, why oh, she didn't? So, like, why didn't Mary Jane go? Like, if she knew that these people were enemies of Spider-Man and were bad people, might have had a role in the set. I wish we had some more scenes with Mary Jane to see what she was like, because it seems like she's... Like, how much did she know? I'm assuming... Like, and after Peter's death, like, did Anne May make any effort to, like, tell her more? Yeah, I would assume that... If this is anything like regular Mary Jane, then Spider-Man told her more than Aunt May. But... That doesn't seem to be the case in this film. It really doesn't seem to be the case in this film. That's just kind of a odd, small detail, I guess. It doesn't really ruin the movie at all. And it does provide... And, and maybe Mary Jane not having as much knowledge as possible it does provide an excuse for Peter B. Parker to have a scene with Mary Jane that's adorable, sad, and awkward. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Though, honestly, that is probably a scene you could have cut from the movie and you wouldn't have lost much. Yeah. It, they really could have, and a lot of it seemed like... Because I, I don't know how Gwen really knew about the whole thing with Mary Jane as well, because Gwen seemed like she knew what the fuck was going on. Well, well I, I mean, I'm sure that it was like... She assumed, she could easily assume, so. Yeah, I mean, maybe there was a Mary Jane in her universe, and Peter had a thing for her, who knows. Yeah, I, I don't really, uh, she, she, I don't know what happened with Gwen Stacy in this universe, because. Yeah, that doesn't seem to, I mean, if Gwen Stacy was in this universe, she would have to be Peter and Mary Jane's age, so she'd be in, like, her mid-twenties, right? So where would she be at? Is she dead? 
Uh, I don't, I don't know, because they have a videotape that says Maximum Carnage that's at, oh, that's at Aunt May's house, so maybe they're implying that it's similar to Ultimate and that she's Carnage and that she's out there somewhere hmm. and just wasn't in the movie, or maybe she died. Because why not? That'd be interesting if Miles encounters an adult Gwen Stacy who is Carnage in this universe. Yeah. Has to fight her. It's just maybe, maybe she was just out getting groceries the whole time and <laughs> wasn't it wasn't home at Aunt May's house. <laughs> maybe maybe that's just what's been going on the whole time. Uh, also Aunt May's house was they they it was as it was one hundred percent accurate to Ditko's um uh diagram of her house in the comics with a bit more TVs and I was like, That's so cool. <laughs> I also like the scene where Penny comes in and on her Heelys. That's really great. That was adorable. Good job, Penny. <laughs> you got Heelys. You're good. <laughs> also, so there, I, I thought that there were some secrets in the Japanese that was on there, but really it's just basic things like computer. Yeah. And I was like, God damn it. I <laughs> thought there was a bilingual bonus in here somewhere, <laughs> but this is... Because like, I, I, some of the things went by too fast for me to see them the first time, and then I saw them and I was, again, and I was like, oh, well, that was... It's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. No, we no fun Easter eggs if you knew Japanese. Yeah, there's some fun Easter eggs in the background, obviously. But... Oh, yeah, all the time. Like uh, Clone High being on like a billboard when Peter B. Parker comes into. The... It's either Peter B. Parker or Gwen. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has to be like when I don't know. Was it was been... like Gwen. Yeah, maybe it was Gwen. It was, it was yeah, because it was it was later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It really is the ultimate universe because Clone <laughs> High is still running. <laughs> yeah, Clone High is still running. They're floating it still. Like it's a it's a universe where no one protested the depiction of Gandhi in that movie and made them cancel it. Or maybe they just. That's serious. Okay, okay. Actually, here's my theory because JFK is on the poster instead of Gandhi, who's you know. The number two guy. Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe this is an alternate universe where they were able to implement the plan to make Gandhi somebody else, and he wasn't actually a clone of Gandhi the whole time. Maybe. Ooh. And that one decision saved the show, and it became a long-running show uh, for 18 years. God bless Clone High. Also, I really love how the product placement is only in um, Peter B. Parker's universe. They must have really, really fought for that. Because, um, so Peter B. Parker's universe is meant to be kind of more like our universe, mm-hmm. closer to 616, with it's got Coca-Cola advertisements, it's got various other things, but they're only shown for a very short period of time. And in this universe... Um, the, the there's various generic brands inserted instead of that, like the Red Man Group, mm-hmm. or uh, or um, and the NYPD is the PDNY, things like that. Oh, well, they can't even use that. Well, I'm uh, I'm sure that was just a stylistic thing. Okay. Like they um, the, uh, the, I think it was they 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 change around like the the wording of various things in the NYPD's code to make it alternate universe. Mm-hmm. And is it, and there's only product placement in I guess with Miles headphones and that's Sony so yeah, who cares of course 
So I was like, I, Sony movies are usually chock full of nothing but product placement. So this is really, really weird because it was an, <laughs> obviously an expensive movie. It, yeah, it's an animated movie that nobody expected to succeed because Sony doesn't have much faith. They didn't have much faith in it. I'm sure. I mean, they promoted it for like a year in advance of the movie coming out. I saw trailers for this thing. Like since December 2017, I was I go to movies a lot, and I see our trailers for this like all the time, all year long. So the anticipation was just building upon building for me, and of course, like during Venom, the mid credit scene is just a scene from Spider Verse, the scene where Miles visits Peter's grave, encounters Peter B. Parker, and the whole chase sequence happens where. One mishap after another leads to him carrying around Peter B. Parker's comatose body uh, as a as he's stuck to a train and they're flying through the streets of NYC. It's, and that's adorable. <laughs> they just yeah. collapse on a walkway in the street and like everyone just walks past them. No one questions why they fell from the sky or attempts to help them up. They just walk past them. It's it's so New York. And I'm just like, yep, yep, thanks, New York. Just <laughs> 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 it's what they do. <laughs> yep. They they don't give a shit. <laughs> Everything in this movie is very, very New York. It's also very interesting that they decided to have it very clearly set in winter. Yeah. Like, it's very topical. I mean, yeah, I guess it came out in winter, so. Mm -hmm. It's a Christmas movie. It's like Die Hard. <laughs> it uh, takes place on December 14th through 16th. That's how the movie, that's how the movie goes, because it came out on December 14th, and I don't know how I know that. I don't remember how I remember that date, but I remember it. <laughs> yeah. Also, Scorpion was cool in this movie. Yeah. That was cool. I love, I love all the little villains in this movie, how they were portrayed. Because they were, like, slightly different from Ultimate, but very close to how they were portrayed in Ultimate. Like, Scorpion Spanish instead of being Matt Gargan. Mm. I, oh, God, I love the scene where um, where, where, where Miles and uh, the Scorpion are insulting each other in Spanish. <laughs> That's really good. That was adorable. You could just have that kind of shit. In the Ultimate Universe, Bendis. <laughs> oh, wait, no, Bendis is at DC ruining Superman right now. Oh, no. Lois and Jonathan Kent are dead! Oh, <laughs> everyone wants that. Yeah, everybody wants... Oh, but it's all good, because the guy who previously erased all of the teenage superheroes from existence because he hated them so much... Uh, what's, what's the guy's fucking name? is? Uh, he's running DC. Dan DiDio is now having Brian and himself run an imprint focused on characters like Damien, like uh, 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 Tim Drake, the original 90s Superboy, and other characters like that. After killing off Superman's kid and Bendis being fucking Bendis, <laughs> this is going to turn out great. Oh boy. I love comic books. It's the best fandom to be in. Well, it's a good fandom to be in if you're a fan of comic book movies, because Spider-Verse has raised the bar yet again for them, and in general, those are doing pretty well right now. Oh god, yes, and I'm excited to see what what the future is going to hold after this groundbreaking movie. Yeah, it's done well, uh, critically and commercially, 
And it's already got a sequel and spinoff in the works, a sequel focusing on Miles and Gwen, and a spinoff featuring a group of Spider-Women, including Gwen, uh, the more popular Spider-Woman, who I use name I don't know. It's like Jenny or something. Yeah, and Silk, and hopefully Penny will be in that too. Here's hoping. Mayday Parker! Parker Mayday Parker, please! (laughs) I want her! Have her be like Peter B. Parker's kid or something. Oh, that'd be amazing. Do a little time skip. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Just trust me on Just just trust me. Have Mayday. She's she's the best. Yeah. Love her. She's so 2000s. I think that Spider-Verse opens the door for a bunch of creative and awesome Spider-Work projects to look forward to in the future. So was this a more ambitious crossover than Infinity War? I think so, because they did it all in one movie, and it succeeded brilliantly. Yeah, especially since some of the characters haven't had any appearances outside of, like, one issue of a comic, and were were created to die. And also in terms of animation, aesthetic, like, in terms of the overall... Filmmaking aspect of the film, I think it was much more ambitious than Infinity War. Yeah, like, just, God, I wish I could have seen this in 3D. Mm-hmm. It, it, the action and the flow of everything, it just, it's very, very innovative in how it uses the space that it's in. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it, it treats the, uh, the, uh, the silver screen like it's a comic, like it, <laughs> it's a comic book page. And it really just uses it so well. And the and the aesthetic of the worlds warping into each other, which I, I, I kind of liked how the characters got used to it later and were able to go without any big issues. Mm-hmm. Also, I liked how it's how they conveniently cut away every time Spider-Man Noir was going to use his gun. <laughs> that was good. That was you can't can't have him shooting people. He has it, but we don't see him shooting people. That's a good way around it. Yeah, do you think we'll see the return of the um, hammer from Hammer Space? Miles has it now. Wait, no, a spider... Didn't he give him the anvil, which is what crashes and explodes the device at the end of the movie? No, he hands him his hammer and says, So you'll always remember me. That's all, folks. (laughs) Is he he allowed to say that, like, like legally? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure we will see the hammer in the sequel if he still has it. I, I'd imagine he, um, I'd imagine he's always going to keep it in his pocket for a rainy day. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I love that line. He's like, "Here, always remember me. It, it fits in your pocket." And, and Miles is like, "Okay." <laughs> so good. He's. I, I also love the little thing where it, it distorts, but I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm always going to be a little bit salty that for pennies it didn't do the same effect that it did when she was using Spider's leg to hit somebody because that's the aesthetic that they used in her comic. But mm-hmm. you know what? It's fine. The it's... movie is just so good in every other area. You can overlook something small like that. Yeah, it's like it, all the bad things about the movie are literally just nitpicks. And if you <laughs> nitpick the movie... You find more to love about it because there's yeah. so much in the background that's that just really adds to the depth of the characters and the world that it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's all good. It's so insanely well crafted in how much information is conveyed so quickly and how it's able to get you so invested in these characters and with such a large group of characters in such a short runtime. On top of being so visually 
really ambitious and creative. Yeah, and it's uh, the way it just plants the seeds for an entire franchise of its own, focusing on just one basic concept of a character, I think really outdoes almost anything the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done up to this point. Yeah. It, it, um, also, um, I, I, I just really, really love how they introduce all uh, um, uh, brand new villains constantly, and like the ones that, and they don't really touch on the ones that are kind of established that are basically just the same, like Tombstone and Kingdom, yeah. and just like the one, the new ones like Scorpion and uh, Olivia Octavius. They just kind of, you know, what they're about, you know, what they do, yeah. go ham. Yeah, I appreciated that. Like they know. That people who know Spider-Man know who Dr. Octopus is. So, like, just saying, like, oh, this person is the Dr. Octopus of this universe, you get that. You don't need more yeah. backstory there. This scorpion has robot legs. It's yeah. awesome. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a living scorpion man. That's cool. <laughs> just go with it, dude. <laughs> also, he's Spanish. <laughs> I... This this movie is just so so freaking good. There's love in almost every single detail, and you can tell that the creators really loved what they were working with. And I think it's a good trade off that they're working on this instead of a, a Lego Movie two. Were they working on that? No, they made that as well. Oh, they they were kicked off with Solo: A Star Wars Story. So I mean, that's an, another great uh, ka- karmic point in this movie's favor. Is that. Solo of a Star Wars story didn't win any Oscars, but Lord and Miller got an Oscar finally for Spider Verse. So mm-hmm. another F you to Disney there. Yeah, so they they went and made successful movies for the competition after Disney kicked them out in what should have been a very successful, mo- uh, probably dark comedy about the about the Empire before the fall. Yeah. I want to believe that the entire movie was just like that weird little propaganda piece <laughs> that was at the beginning of of like the the uh, Empire's march and the major key that was so good. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure that's what it was, and that's what Disney doesn't want. Yeah, well, I think they have definitely paid for that. Even though the movie made a lot of money, it, of course, because it's so high budget and that so low. it's considered. Not a success. You know, they're trying to kick Kathleen Kennedy off because of that, and they offered the job to multiple people, including the uh, Clone Wars alumni Dave Filoni, but um, none of them said that they were up to the large task of doing it and probably didn't want to work under uh, Disney's draconian policies, so Kathleen Kennedy's back in the director's chair. (laughs) Oh boy! At least we're getting Clone Wars... Again, and I'm sure that wouldn't have happened if uh, Dave Filoni was working on the new Star Wars movies. But like imagining a Star Wars movie verse under Dave's direction, mm-hmm. mm, so good, mm, just oh, it would have been so nice. Yeah, well, Disney might not know what they're doing with Star Wars, but Sony seems to know what they're doing with Spider-Man now, finally. And that's really great. I see we know what, know, learned what they're doing with their animation company. Finally took him a yeah. few million flops. <laughs> but hey, it worked out. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Verse is just 
full of information and stuff to explore. I am definitely going to buy the Blu-ray when it comes out because I'm sure it'll be loaded with special features and interviews and history. And, like, it just follow all the artists and people involved in making Spider-Verse on Twitter because they're constantly sharing, like clips from the movie history of the movie like how they made certain scenes interesting production details deleted scenes the entire script for spider-verse is free to read and download uh for your uh, pleasure to look at heck the program they used to render all the aesthetic and effects in spider-verse is free to download and play with so like this everyone involved in this movie is just so jazzed about what they were able to do with it and wants to encourage people to express themselves as creatively and i think that's just amazing but i think that this is probably going to uh, hopefully from the impact that it had on my little brother and from other testimonies that i've had on twitter i do believe that this is going to impact another generation of creators and artists my little brother's more into theater, so I don't know how this is going to help him, but he said it was his favorite movie of all time, and he loves, the, awesome. e he loves the effects. He loves the idea of the Spider-Verse, and I don't know, maybe I'll encourage him to make his own original Spider-Man donut steal, <laughs> <laughs> which a lot of people are doing. That's been, oh, a, yeah. that's been a trend on Twitter, and I'm really happy to see that. OCs, fan art, lots of love has like, been... Uh Crone Spider versus Way over the last couple of months. Like it, it's it's kind of like what X Men used to be in the '90s, which is like it's something that you can be a part of. It's something where you can create a character and you can just be a part of this uh, of this huge huge umbrella that's all that, that's still uniquely yours because even though you're um, even though it's slightly derivative, you um, it, you've got a unique spark inside of yourself that makes you and your creations different. And it's really, really wonderful. And this is being way better executed than than the way X Men was executing <laughs> that in the nineties. Oh dear God! <laughs> I mean, speaking of influence on young people, I think we'd be remiss to mention one of my favorite parts of the theater experience that uh, when we saw the film together was during the scene where Miles donned his Spider Man suit and was taking his leap of fate and swinging about through the city. Uh, at the end of that scene, when he unmasked himself, uh, the little kid who was sitting behind us was like, that was him the whole time? <laughs> yeah, it was so cute. It was adorable. <laughs> that little kid was just so jazzed by the entire movie, just jumping around, like, uh, speaking in joy of, like, what's happening on screen. That was, that was kind of fun to just listen to the background, that kid's reactions. <laughs> It would, it's, it's just absolutely wonderful. I really hope that, I, I really hope this inspires comic creators especially, because Lord knows we need some more creativity and fun <laughs> in comics. <laughs> I will inspire some kids to get down to their local comic shop and buy some shit. I think this is the kind of movie that will encourage people to get into comics and be cream creators of comics. Yeah, and Marvel's going to really have to pull their shit together if they want to appease the the, the younger fans that are going to be go that are going to be lining up. They seem to be really banking on Captain Marvel being the one that's inspirational officially, which no, well, we'll see about that when we we'll cover see. Captain Marvel. Hey, but... more reading for me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha I, haven't, I, I haven't read much of Carol Danvers, but I read a lot of the original Captain Marvel.
Well, yeah, well, we'll just have to see how that film turns out, and maybe VLR will actually join us for that instead of ditching us again. He overslept. Uh-huh. I don't know how that affects him coming to record a podcast. I don't know what he has to do on a Saturday that's so time-sensitive. He is a special boy. He probably needs to do some homework, read some manga until 3 a.m., down a bunch of caffeine... He wouldn't have to stay up so late if he wasn't on Discord all night gaming. What does he do with his time? Everybody publicly shame V-Lord for getting usually two hours of sleep a night for... Unnecessarily. Use your time better, V-Lord. I mean, I'm not one to judge. I also mismanage my time a lot. But still, V-Lord, you gotta be healthy. Don't be like me in college and work for 60 hours straight without sleeping. That's how we get heart attacks, and that's how we... That literally happened to me in college. Yeah, I had a panic slash heart attack because I wasn't getting enough rest and overworked myself, and yeah. So don't follow my example. Anyone, get sleep. Be healthy. It isn't worth it. This is a PSA. Yeah. <laughs> this is a PSA specifically for V-Lord. <laughs> yes, but also anyone listening to this, apply it to your own lives too, if you're in similar situations. Sleep is good. Okay. Yes. I should probably finish this now. Yeah. yeah, that wraps it up for our podcast on Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. As always, I'm overjoyed to have Vic on the show to discuss comics history and enlighten us and teach us all about stuff that helps us understand the films we watch better and gives us a whole new appreciation for them. Now I want all of you to go to your local congressman and petition them to have <laughs> um uh, to have Japanese Spider-Man not not Penny Parker I mean the original Japanese Spider-Man and Mayday in any new Spider-Verse movie because that needs to happen. We need Leopard on. Yeah. Someone promised. I don't know who promised, but someone promised that if the movie made over 200,000 domestic, they'd put the Japanese Spider-Man in the next one. So, I don't know. Oh, bless the Lord. <laughs> or rather, bless the emissary from hell. He's a good boy. <laughs> Remember, he's Stan Lee's favorite incarnation of the character. So you gotta do it. Stanley's dead now. You gotta do it for him. Do it for Lee. <laughs> so wait, did it did it break? Did it break that domestically? I am looking that up now. Change Leopardo. Keep me one nazir. Keep me one nazir. It is fifth at the time of this recording. It is fifteen m short of two hundred million. The movie is still in theaters. It got an expansion. After the best anime picture wins, so it, there's still time. Everybody, go 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 watch the movie a million times and give me some <laughs> Leopard. <laughs> I got a hard on for Leopard. <laughs> the strongest robot canonically in Tokusatsu history. I sw- he, he's important. I swear. For he he started Tokusatsu technically. <laughs> oh, for Toei, anyways. He's, he, he's the first, like, Sentai thingy Majigama Jag. Because they didn't have... They were like, how can we sell toys and get around him not swinging around? Giant robot! 
<laughs> Give him better treatment than he had in Spider-Verse, where Leopardon, something powered by atomic energy, died to died in one panel to something weak to atomic energy. Wow. A stupid, gay-ass, vampire, loser. <laughs> Fuck you, Morlon. You're... I'm not making... I'm not making fun of you for your sexuality. I'm just saying that you are... You're... The loser. Okay. I like girls. I can say the G word. Okay. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> comfortable with that. I just want to lay apart and I love it. <laughs> Alright, I'm signing off, yeah. Oh yeah, Vixie the Valiant. At Vixie the Valiant, twitter.com. It's with a Y. Yeah. Follow Vix for all her tweets about comics and Anything she wants to tweet about. Yeah, if I'm reading something, I usually uh, post the pages that I'm that I really, really like or I'm really, really mad at. And if I'm mad about a comic, <laughs> I'm going to passive-aggressively yell about scenes in it without posting the pages because I don't believe that the comic deserves exposure, which happened yeah. a lot with Ultimate Spider-Man, except for the pa- page where Uncle Aaron tips his fedora and says, Milady. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, though... For f- uh, fans of this film, what comics do you recommend them check out? Oh, uh, definitely the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, the original ones uh, by Brian Michael Bendis. If you want to see Bendis at his best, um, that's that's definitely it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there, there's a lot of ones that are very, very good that everybody tends to recommend. Uh, my personal favorites when it comes to Spider-Man... Are uh, there's this arc of web of of the of this comic called the Twisted Web of Spider-Man, which they all seem to be very very good, focusing on the character of Rhino as he gains and in- it's called Flowers for Rhino. He mm. gains intelligence and um and starts to uh, and, and starts to realize what um, what kind of a person he is, and it's very very interesting. It's a very very fun take on the idea. Of a of a dumb character getting more and more intelligence. I know this kind of story's been done before, but not with a big character like Rhino. Craven's Last Hunt. That's one that everybody recommends. It's really really good. Uh, for the original Ditko era, um, search up um, "If This Be My Destiny." Um, just the entire arc with this character called the Master Planner. It, it it's the core of Spider Man. It's there's love, there's loss, there's tragedy, and there's hope. It's wonderful. And it's all penned by Lee and Ditko themselves. It's them at their best. It's so good. And uh, J. Michael Straczynski's run on The Amazing Spider-Man is absolutely incredible until a little something we like to call One More Day. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear God! No, oh, also Deadpool Spider-Man by um uh, uh by uh, Joe um Joe Kelly, that's really good. If you want to see uh, the original writer of Deadpool doing some cool stuff with two characters that he enjoys, two characters that enjoy each other, there you go. That's it. Oh shit! Oh. Marvel Adventures Spider-Man! <laughs> All ages good stuff. Spider-Man plays baseball with Galactus. It's Ooh, awesome! And that sounds fun. It's really fun. Anything with Marvel Adventures, honestly. I love that line. And uh, Mary, J- and, uh, uh, Mary Jane loves Spider-Man, and uh, Spider-Man loves Mary Jane. That miniseries is really, really cute, and I love it. Go watch Spectacular Spider-Man. Go watch the Sam Raimi movies. 
watch the the 90s show if you want. Watch the <laughs> 60s show because it's the best thing ever. Watch the Japanese Spider-Man. There's a lot of good Spider-Man, honestly. Like, this is a character that he's got really low points, but he's got a hell of a lot more high points. Like, you can literally read 255 issues of, like, the original comic, and it's still all good. Awesome. Like, most people read the comic, like, chronologically and just stop during the 90s, and that's 30 years of good, consistently great comics. Yeah, damn. And then it gets good after the 90s again! (laughs) And there's two concurrently running great runs of Spider-Man for, like, God knows how long! It's like, God, this character's blessed. (laughs) He's he's a little bit cursed with the Parker luck, but he's mostly blessed. I mean, there is... No wonder why he's had enduring and long-standing popularity, and why he's such a beloved figure in our popular culture. Yeah, superheroes with super problems really just speaks to the people. Because he, he was meant to be relatable, and now he's so relatable that anyone can wear the mask! Yeah! It's so good! <laughs> Poor Human Torch, though, he got really shafted. <laughs> he, 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 he was part of a duo with Spider-Man and all that shit, he got shafted. Oh well. Justice for Human Torch. Justice for Johnny! <laughs> well, they should be roommates again. And ride in the yeah. spider buggy and draw little... <laughs> and and, and uh, make tire tracks on the Daily Bugle building while J. Jonah yells at them because they're punk kids and it's good. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Make, make Spider-Man and Mary Jane married again. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, please. I love them. Mm-hmm. Mayday Parker. Oh, yeah. Spider-Girl. Mayday Parker. Read that, too. Re- read that shit. Uh, oh, Spider... Uh, is in, um, you can find that in Edge of the Spider-Verse number four, Spider-Man Noir. He's got two miniseries that are really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about Peter Porker, so you, you can read him if you want. It's up, it's, up to, <laughs> it's up to you. Just do it if you want. Yeah. yeah. So those are Vix's Rex. I'll definitely be checking out a few of those myself, and I encourage anyone who was in love with this film, as we were, to check those comics out as well. Yeah. Also, multiversity. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Spider-Man comic, check out multiversity. Don't need to know anything about DC to read it, because you, you probably don't know any of the characters anyways. I mean, unless you know Dr. Fate. He's cool. I think that's probably the one that they'd recognize most. Yeah. Most Do- people. Because Dr. Fate's in it. Yeah. He's cool. I don't know if likes Dr. Fate. And Captain yeah. Carrot. He's in that, too. Yeah. Everyone thinks Captain Carrot. <laughs> Yeah, for for the for my Peter Porker recommendation is Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew by Roy Thomas. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I'm done recommending. Yeah. Well, if you want to check out more of this show, Manga Mavericks, you can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com. You can find our YouTube channel, youtube.c slash mangamavericks. Just search for mangamavericks in the search bar. You will find our channel. We are also on every podcast app and listening uh, station of choice, be it Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podbean. Uh, Chances are we're on it, and we would really appreciate it if you guys would rate us, leave us a review, if uh, you listen to us on YouTube, definitely leave us some likes and comments. And subscribe. Don't forget to hit the yeah. bell. Uh, yeah, all that stuff. That helps the show grow, find more audiences, reach out to more people, and make it even better. And if you have any comments, suggestions, criticisms for us, you can send those to our email, mongamarics at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys and learning from you guys. 
But that about does it for this episode of Mon Routes at Movies. I've been your host, Lon Romayasha. You can find me at Lon Romayasha on Twitter at a variety of things, including Anime Revolution, Anime List, and I write reviews on Monk-Con.com. And yeah, that does it for the show. And we will see you in the next one. And scene. Yay, we did it! It's done. I, I like Spider Man. <laughs> uh, they're actually it's actually pretty easy to get a hold of um, any Spider Man comics now. It's like physical ones. They've been reprinted in Marvel Masterworks, um, and uh, Marvel has a subscription thing, kind of like um, uh, Shot and Jump, except not as good. Yeah, but I mean, it's they they add a bunch of stuff to it. It's been going pretty great. It's fun.